1: It is Wednesday, May twenty second, and live from the Chicago Sun Times Chicago Reader studio on Racine Avenue. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're talking Trump, 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 and more Trump with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson, and we welcome reporter Ray Hanania. And now your host, Chicago Reader, columnist, and owner of a blazer, (laughs) Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky
2: here. We're calling, where were you Wednesday?
1: And here's why.
2: Yeah, I wasn't here at 1 o'clock. You know, uh, i been doing this podcast. Now, how long have we been doing this podcast? Steve?
1: Since February 27th. Since
2: February 27th. So my clock is set to 1 p.m. where I got to come on the air live, uh, do the live stream. And I'm focused and fixated on that. Everything I do from when I go to bed to when I wake up is all centered on that. Although I never go to bed last night. I was still up at 4.30. Long story. Don't want to get into my personal problems. Please uh, but I had to roll out and get downtown to go to the City Club. Now, the City Club is a very um upstanding uh, they've been around a long time organization of uh, corporate movers and shapers uh, shakers excuse me in the city of chicago uh, probably more of the conservative persuasion than me i was really shocked when they invited me my first instinct was to say no because i didn't want to miss the show but i'm going to tell you some folks who really calls the shots in my life all right the man they call the doctor he said hey you're going to that show exactly how i said it we need the publicity now get over there come on man i gotta have to get up early nope you're gonna do it so then i get up i'm all set to go out of the house my wife says hey you're not going to that mo- that meeting of the movers and shakers with that Michael Jeffrey Jordan t-shirt on, are you? <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. No. Get over there. She made me change my shirt. She made me change my pants. She made me put on this beautiful blazer. Can we show the people the blazer? Yeah, show those that live streams. That is a nice blazer. Look at that blazer,
1: guys. <laughs> it wasn't in the shop. Whatever. It's uh, nice, wa- all right? It wasn't in the shop. No, Hold on. Not in the Hold shop. on. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. Just show Oh, there we go! Okay. See that live that, streamers.
2: That's called a blazer, people. Whoa. As in jacket, not in a car. Some people might be confused. Okay,
1: all right. How
0: about
3: yeah, my yeah, listeners? No here one on.
1: was confused on that one. So I'll just put it right here for the moment. There, everybody oh, can boom. see it. Went into
3: the Republicans' den.
2: Yes, I was in the, a lot of Republicans, but more to the point, a lot of Rom types in there. Okay, so then they start asking me questions. I have to think. Uh, should I kind of like duck and dodge and say nice things about the mayor? So I was all set to do that. Everybody I was like, you know, uh, as Rom heads off into the pasture, I am very grateful, but I couldn't do it. Anybody? I couldn't. I, I was like, I'm so relieved he's gone. We were supposed to be talking about the hundred days of Lori, and I was still talking about the last eight years of Rom. So anyway, they were very nice to me, even though I don't think anybody in the room agreed with anything I had to say. My old friend Laura Washington was there. Uh, Laura and I started back in the business many, many years ago. Uh, there were still dinosaurs in the streets of Chicago when we started writing uh, together back for the Chicago Reporter back in the uh, early 80s. Uh, Jen Sabella was there, the legendary Jen, Jen Sabella uh, of the millennial persuasion. She was sort of like the youth aspect of it. So it's like Mod Squad. Monroe is the only guy who knows what Mod Squad is. I, right, <laughs> there, there, exactly. there, there was a, a Mod Squad, there was the hippie, there was the, the blonde, blonde and the black guy. Yeah, right, oh. in the blonde uh, guy <laughs> <laughs> last week. Yeah, she did. Very yeah. good for knowing that. Hang tight, millennials. <laughs> Got a great show for you today. For ten trivia question uh, points, Monroe, what was the blonde's name? Go. Uh, <laughs> let's see.
3: Her her brother does okay, studio. No, no
2: studio. time out. That okay, that's no. Yeah. You can't answer the question what her name is by talking about her brother.
3: Yeah. No, he does the, the actors' studio show.
2: Peggy Lipton. I didn't know that was her brother.
1: That's her brother. I learned something from them. Let me check here. Oh, yeah. All the millennials stopped listening. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it
2: was like an updated version of Squad. This is a
3: history class, guys.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So I wore my nice blazer. And they gave me, look at this, man. They gave me this uh, cup. All right. Show the live streamers that cup. They they gave the lefty guy the cup. I had a little name plate thing. And they spelled my name right. Life was good. And then they gave me, I'm a a member of the city club. Whoa. (laughs)
3: Membership?
2: Dude, I'm glad I forced you to go to that. Cut that in half. I want half of it. Whenever I go to a city club meeting, they just break in. Where everybody knows my name. (laughs) No singing. Anyway, the city club members are like, who invited this guy? He's too lefty. Get him out of here but they were all very nice to me. And uh, I managed to get out there without getting in an argument. So thank you city club for inviting me. Thank you, Dennis, for making me go to the city club. Uh, thank you. My lovely wife for making me wear the blazer and not the Michael Jeffrey Jordan t-shirt. Although it's one of my favorite t-shirts. I will say this, uh, the theme of the day was the first, uh, hundred days of Lori life what we can expect. And that's the theme of today's show. We've got Monroe Anderson. Well, it's a, uh, Mon- Monroe, uh, Wednesday anyway, uh, we'll be talking Trump, 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 and more Trump. But, uh, Monroe's old friend, Ray Hanania. this This going to be a treat, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Hananio will be coming to the studio. Ray, legendary uh, Chicago Sun-Times reporter back in the day, right. going back to the 80s right. and the 90s.
3: We, we were at City Hall together. We you were, were at City As Hall, reporters, and then, reporters. then as when you...
2: Was he, yeah, he was there when you were the and press aide. I was,
3: I was the press secretary. So, yeah,
2: so we'll be talking about uh, first 100 days for... Mayor Byrne, first 100 days for Harold Washington, first 100 days for um, uh, Gene Sawyer, yeah. first 100 days uh, for Richie Daly, first 100 days for Rom. We can't do first 100 days for uh, David Orr, because he was only in there for like three days. So Five days. Five, look. Man, you know your trivia. God dang, when Rahm, He's the pride well, and Let G- me tell
3: you, we, we were talking about, um, I was talking with Sawyer, Sawyer wanted to put a picture up. Of him with the other mayor, David or mayor, yeah, yeah. They, and. I said, well, he's only there for five days. And Sawyer so says, well, he was a mayor, so he should go up there.
2: I agree and with Sawyer. So I
3: said, what about a postage stamp? Oh, <laughs> don't
2: <know>. that Monroe. <laughs> no wonder he got in trouble all the time. Yes, all the time. Uh, but anyway, pretty slick power move by Lori Lightfoot. And uh, this is one of the points I made uh, at the City Club because they were asking, what, what do you think of her speech? And I got to tell you, folks, I don't know if I uh, accentuated this enough yesterday. That was a pretty slick move in her speech on Monday when uh, she turned and looked uh, at the uh, city council, the aldermen who were all lined up behind her and she gave him that little Michael, Mike Tyson stare of hers and she was like, you know, uh, you're gonna fall in line and the crowd went crazy and it was like, she just put the uh, Ed Burke's head on the shoulders and necks so of anybody who would dare to disagree with her very slick, astute move, not bad for a rookie of, of Uh, first time a mayor just in office for uh, less than 10 minutes or so
3: right her Uh, instincts are good
2: her instincts are good. So anyway, we'll be talking uh, local politics. Monroe is here. We'll be talking national politics, and we have a special guest, uh, and uh, a circus man from where's my piece of paper here? Of There's my piece of it's paper. under the blazer. Uh, it's under the, uh, Kevin Beverly, the pride and joy of Chicago, will be here talking about uh, 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 Circus de Soleil. I may have butchered, butchered that. Circus du Soleil. Oh, excuse me, Mister. I've been everywhere.
3: Say, say Francais. Francais,
2: <laughs> and uh, there, it'll be in chicago from 18th to july 6th at soldier field uh you can get your tickets uh i'm trying to read this uh, circus soleil.com i'm gonna make kevin spell it all right and uh, so he's gonna spell it to make sure everybody can uh, get their tickets so i'll be talking to kevin about how he got into the circus business uh as a kid growing up in the city of chicago looking forward to that conversation but before we do any of that i'm gonna turn things over
1: to the doctor with the news hey guys i'm dennis Not a doctor. Never been a doctor. It's the middle of the day. Let's talk about the national news happening this afternoon. Democratic House Speaker and, yes, owner of our host, Ben Jarofsky's heart, (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, had an impeachment powwow with the entire Democratic Mm -hmm. caucus this morning. Remember, our President Donald Trump and his weirdo goon administration have been blocking congressional committees from investigating him for quite a while now. Pelosi spoke to reporters following a meeting of the entire House Democratic Caucus this morning. They got a game plan. Welcome to operation code word cover up here's <laughs> pelosi on trump and the meeting
0: we do believe that it's important for the, the to follow the facts uh, we believe that no one is above the law including the president of the united states and we believe that the president of the united states is engaged in a cover-up in a cover-up and that was the nature of the military.
2: Yeah, Nancy Pelosi is playing a very sophisticated game. We're going to be talking about that with Monroe in a little while. And probably uh, Ray Hanania uh, will get into that conversation with him as well. Uh, Two old press hands and reporters have a lot of insight on what the game Nancy Pelosi is playing. But clearly... Nancy Pelosi is trying to take the center point here in the Democratic Party and make it seem as though it's Trump that's forcing her to do something that she doesn't want to do which is open up this uh, impeachment proceedings and like, Donald you gotta help me, you gotta send send us your tax returns, you gotta send us your chief aides, you gotta bring in Mueller to, to testify and every time Donald Trump says not gonna do it, Nancy's like,
3: what can I do?
2: So it's a very interesting little waltz uh, that Dancing here, he's uh,
3: self-impeaching.
2: He's self. Oh, Monroe said Fourth of July, he'd be gone. We'll see if he's still sticking to that prediction. Uh, and uh, so that's the game that Nancy Pelosi is very astutely playing, in my humble opinion.
1: So we heard the game. Well, of course you think that you love Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> All right, It didn't take long for the president to respond. Here's Donald Trump today at a press conference. Cover up? Come on, what are you talking about? Says the president.
4: I just saw that Nancy Pelosi just before our meeting made a statement that we believe that the president of the United States is engaged in a cover-up well it turns out I'm the most uh, and I think most of you would agree to this I'm the most transparent (laughs) president probably Uh, in the history of this country Uh, we have given Uh. uh, on a witch hunt on a hoax the whole thing with Russia was a hoax Uh. (laughs) as it relates to the Trump administration and myself it was a total horrible thing that happened to our country it hurt us in so many ways. Despite that, we're setting records with the economy, with jobs, with the most imp- most people employed today that we've ever had in the history of our country. We have the best unemployment numbers <laughs> that we've had in the history of our country. Oh, in some cases, 51 years, but generally in the history of our country. Companies are moving back in. Things are going well. And I said, let's have the meeting on infrastructure. We'll get that done easily. That's one of the easy ones. And instead of walking in happily into a meeting, I walk in to look at people that had just said that I was doing a cover-up. I don't do cover-ups. Oh, yeah. You people know that probably better than anybody. <laughs> he doesn't do cover-ups. I don't know. It kind of worked on me. Hey, it's,
2: it's really weird. He doesn't do cover-ups. The guy has the greatest comb-over in the history of American politics. So he's covering something up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his bald head. But uh, no. uh, Donald Trump, man, what a performer he is. We, uh, we had uh, Sergio Vicente on yesterday. He's a mixed martial arts expert. And he was uh, talking about the rhetoric that wrestlers... Uh, and fighters employ when they're trash talking and try to promote a fight. Donald Trump, folks, whenever you listen to Donald Trump, you should think of a wrestler, a pro wrestler, a fighter before a fight. It's all trash talking. It's all promoting his brand, and that brand is Donald Trump. Uh, you can't take anything he says literally if you want the truth. The notion that Donald John Trump is the most transparent president we have ever had is such a joke. This is a man who's been covering Everything up, including what he was up to with the Russians uh, when the Russians hacked into the Democratic computers. Never forget that everybody, Democrats out there. Somebody hacked into those computers. Somebody disseminated those private emails to uh, foster a fight uh, between Bernie Sanders uh, supporters and Hillary Clinton supporters, a fight that consumed the Democratic Party. Monroe Anderson from luff, roughly June of 2016. Right. Well, in fact, you could say it's still consuming the Democratic Party. So it was a slick political move by Donald John Trump with his friends from Russia, but don't pretend, Donald Trump, if you want to call yourself the most transparent president ever, that it didn't go on.
1: Now, of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. we got Monroe Anderson sitting right here. I can, I'm can just looking at him right now. He's ready to Oh, uh, he's ready Trump. to pounce. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> We're going to be talking with Monroe Anderson a little later. Stick around. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show right here from the Chicago Sun-Times. Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Discover the breadth and majesty of Chicago's architecture on a Chicago Architecture Center bus tour. From bungalows to Bauhaus, our expert docents will share the fascinating stories behind our city's architecture. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a bus tour right now. Oh, my, look at that wonderful piece of architecture. commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show
2: yes indeed we're back we're live monroe anderson is sitting here dr d is sitting here Aaliyah is sitting here we're all getting ready to talk some politics before we do that let's talk a little circus uh the cirque du soleil will be in town man nice. listen to this guy okay when i came here i didn't know the circus was going to be in town they gave me this piece of paper i said how do you write it phonetically i wrote it phonetically and then my great moment came i couldn't read my writing uh but uh
1: i you now have le- to admit that stuff what you don't have to admit stuff like that, but that's fine. It's oh, very charming. For you. <laughs> I can't read my writing public. Can, yeah, see. Uh,
2: but anyway, Kevin Beverly, I can do. I can read that uh, from the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts a long time ago. He's it's come a long way from his days as a high schooler. Uh, is a performer in the circus. So Kevin, welcome to the show. And uh, hello, hello, thank you. Welcome back to Chicago.
5: I appreciate it. Thank
2: you. All right. Now, uh, before uh, you give a little details about the circus and yourself, just give folks the the basic details that they need to know if they want to. Uh, check out our great performance.
5: Yeah, if you want to come see our show, it's called Volta it's by Cirque du Soleil. You can get tickets at uh, Cirque du We are uh, right next to Soldier Field. We have a big white and gray big top. You can't miss it. And we'll be here until July 6th. Uh, July 6th. So come check us out.
2: Uh, so you, you happen that it's already started May 18th. Yeah, we
5: started pre- last week. Yeah, we had our, our big premiere last night. So,
2: it, 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 uh, excuse my utter and total ignorance here, and I apologize right. humbly. So, in other words, it's in Soldier Field, so it's the full stadium?
5: We are in the parking lot of Soldier Field. Oh, the yeah,
2: parking lot the of South Soldier parking Field. The South parking lot. Exactly. Gotcha. So, how many people would show up for that?
5: We, I think our tent can fit 2,800, 2,500 people. So...
2: And uh, for the uninitiated, for people who've never been uh, to this particular circus, what will they see?
5: Well, Volta is a really, Cirque du Soleil is a, a contemporary circus uh, company that shows, you know, big circus acts, but also has a little bit of a story narrative to it. It's it's uh, it's an artsy form of traditional American circus, I guess you could say. Now, Volta is um, it's a really high energy, high, you know, urban acrobatic show that, uh, tells a story about a, a guy who's lost and, you know, trying to find himself. And so, it, and it, so
2: what role do you
5: play in me? That? I'm, a, I'm an acrobat. I, I do an act called shape diving or hoop diving where I, I literally jump through hoops and they're spinning, they're moving and the idea is we don't hit it. And it's a very interactive number with the audience. It's super fun. And I'm also the backup for the main character. So a couple of times a week I'll be doing that.
2: Now, uh, Kevin, how did you learn how to, uh, jump through hoops? Uh, growing up, well you're, you grew up in the Chicago land area. Yeah, I
5: grew up in Grays Lake, mm-hmm. northern suburbs and I did gymnastics as a kid and then I switched, I had one of my best friends who switched to dance and I kind of like followed in his lead and uh, I danced for 10 years competitively in the suburbs and then when I got to high school I switched to the Chicago, Chicago Academy of the Arts up here in the West Loop. So you were coming all the way yeah. from, how did you get, what did you take, the train? So i take the Metra and uh-huh. it was amazing for me because I could just sleep an hour and a half more. So I'd get <laughs> on, my mom would drop me off at the train station, I'd sleep the whole way, get to Union Station, wake up, jump on a, a bus, and go to school. And start jumping through hoops. But at that same time, I started taking circus classes at the Actor Gymnasium in Evanston. And so Mondays and Tuesdays, I would drive and go through that horrible traffic every morning oh, yeah. just to get to Evanston after school.
2: Now, when you said competitive dance, what does that mean?
5: Uh, it's competition dance. It's, uh, you know, ages... It's really young, six years old till high school, so about seventeen. And uh, you go to different competitions, you compete for trophies. It, it's uh, it's very common in the United States. It's actually very, it's a very common ballroom thing. dancing. Uh, more so jazz, contemporary, tap, hip hop. There's different um, categories of which you can compete in.
2: So. And what's your favorite kind of dancing?
5: Now I, you know, I'm I would much more call myself a, a circus artist now. But I like contemporary. I like I like a little jazzy feel to my dance. So.
2: And so as a circus artist, what were some of the tricks of the trade that you had to learn to, to become a circus artist? Well,
5: you know, switching from dance to circus, it, it, I had to really learn a certain kind of apparatus or a certain, you know, for me, I, I was, I learned aerials. I did trapeze and I did aerial hoop. And then once I went to, I moved to Montreal, Quebec in uh, 2008 and I did this uh, school called the National Circus School. And my major was trapeze and my minor was hoop diving, which is what I'm doing in the show. Your major was so you're the dude on the trapeze. Yeah, so yeah. You weren't afraid. The heights didn't bother you. You know, you get used to it. Now, more when I was in circus school, I had no fears, and now as I get older, I'm like, oh yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I like, I start recognizing the danger in some of it. But and what I do in the in in volta is hoop diving. We don't go that high. We jump through high hoops, but. I know exactly what I'm doing. So. I,
2: I, I can't even picture it. I've never seen this particular circus, so I'm at a loss here. What like what it mean, How high are you up when you dive through the hoop?
5: So they start low, and the idea is they get higher and higher and higher. The highest one that I jump through is about like six and a half feet, and I do a back layout through it. So I do a round off before the hoop, and then I jump, do a backflip, get through it, and land back on my feet. But the highest we throw one of our smaller guys through is really, I don't even know how high. I would say like 20 feet something something like that we throw this little guy through he jumps through lens and that's the end of our act so uh, you got to come see it man I, I definitely <laughs> have to
2: come see it and it's at uh, soldier field it started may 18th it's going through july 6th uh and uh so in your humble opinion who is the greatest circus performer of all time and who is the greatest dancer of all
5: time oh wow that is a loaded question I think that I have some friends in Montreal that I would consider the best, but they're they're not big names, so I don't think you would know. But my favorite kind of circus artist is people that can do everything the 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 multidisciplinary that can touch at aerials that can do acrobatics that can act that can sing that can wow an audience uh, that's that's I fall in love with people like that And as far as dancing I have one of my mentors here in Chicago her name is Lizzie McKenzie and she's a very uh, known dancer here she's one of my my uh, favorite dancers I love watching her and she what, came to see me last night actually what kind of dance does she do she worked in Giordano she worked in Hubbard Street and now she uh, does her own stuff so
2: I okay. thought you were gonna say Michael Jackson
5: oh sorry Fred <laughs> <laughs> right Astaire yeah, Fred Astaire, that's a great... That's a, I'm a little young for that, but... Oh, look at him. I just got to <laughs>
2: remind the host, he's an old guy. Uh, I'm young. I don't know who Fred Astaire... Have you seen White Crow? No. Has anybody in this room seen White Crow?
5: Does anybody even All the references you guys were going back and forth before, I had no idea. I mean, I, I thought you were talking about The Breakfast Club earlier, so I don't I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the white no. The White Crow is not in the uh, the Breakfast Club. The White Crow is a movie that just came out about a Russian dancer named oh. Murrayev. Yes. And um, he was uh, he a ballet. I'm, t- I'm speaking to circus people here, so I'm like suddenly I'm explaining dance to circus people. And it's a great movie. I urge everybody in this room to check it out. But he was uh, in the Soviet Union yes. in the 50s and the 60s, and he, um, he defected to the West. It's a great story. Anyway.
5: Nerev, I, do, I do know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Uh, so anyway, there my uh, appeal to get people out to see uh, The White Crow. Alright, Kevin Beverly, uh, the pride and joy of the Chicago Academy of Fine Arts, one more time, tell folks everything they need to know about going to see this show.
5: Yeah, come see us. Our show is called Volta, and we're in a big, uh, big grand Chapiteau, a big, big top tent in, in the south side of the, the south parking lot of uh, Soldier Field. And we'll be here until July 6th, almost every single day except Mondays. Check us out on cirque You can get tickets. Could you spell that? Yeah, it's C I R Q U E D U S O L E I L. Cirque we'll- du Soleil, Circus of the Sun.
3: Yeah, if, if I go.
5: How will I know you? How will I recognize you? Oh, what, I, what
3: will you be doing where anybody who doesn't know you will know
5: you? So I'm in the second half of the show, the second act. The there's a it's a very obvious act. You'll see the hoop diving. I'm the only redheaded guy, so you can't you can't <laughs> miss. I'm a tall uh, redheaded. I have lots of energy, and sometimes I'll be wearing a blue wig playing the main character. So you'll. All right. Just got. You just got to message me. I'll, okay. I'll let you know. All right.
2: <laughs> All right. Very good, Kevin. Thank you so much for stopping by, or everybody. I appreciate to check it, guys. Thank you. we will right, we'll be right back with more political talk after this.
6: Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta, playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at CirqueDuSoleil.com. Volta thanks their partners, Hennessy Black and Champagne, Nicola Fayette.
1: Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city, 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter.
2: Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to JeffmanuelPianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you people J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel.
1: Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Ben Jarofsky cut a deal with the circus people. He's going to be one of the trapeze guys. Yeah, come on. They're going to put me in that cannon and shoot me out. <laughs> Live from the Chicago Sun Times. Oh, man.
2: The uh, circus has left the building. The circus has left the building. Well,
1: it sort of hasn't. This but show's
2: still on. Monroe Anderson is still here. And uh, the doctor's about to move on to the local news, which you got from a young man.
1: Actually, uh, let's talk with Monroe.
2: Oh, okay. There's an abrupt transition.
1: Away, so we're going to do what else is news at the end of the show today. Whoa, that's great
2: planning we had there. Uh, anyway, all right, we're going to uh, talk to him. I'm right, are You going to go see the circus? Uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> You're not a huge circus fan? No. All right, well, the big No, cir- but
3: the Cirque du Soleil is a more of an artistic thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just elephants and clowns and whatever.
2: Yeah, alright. Well, uh, your French pronunciation is very good. And that was pretty funny. They gave me this. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? I wrote it down. I couldn't remember writing it anyway. I was Actually, like lost it's
3: there. not. I, I was um, in Paris years ago. Okay. And I took French in high school and college, but I was in Paris. I always talk, spoke French with a Gary accent. Okay. So, <laughs> Gary. So, so I was trying to speak to them to be polite in their language and the guy says uh um, just speaking <laughs> uh
2: gary indiana monroe born and raised in gary indiana the pride and joy of gary some would argue he's the greatest person to come out of gary uh well no i can't say since michael jackson because michael jackson came out after you but michael's uh, credibility and reputation and legacy uh is not too well by the way i've never asked you about that let's let me i mean uh sure. have you turned on michael jackson you know, have you been following all the, the stories? Oh, yeah,
3: no, I know stories. I I've I figured out the stories a long time ago.
2: So you uh, believe they were true from the get-go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Even when he was acquitted? Wasn't he acquitted in oh, his oh, trial?
3: Yeah, right, exactly. Money can buy you anything. Money can buy you anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are denying No, but this is my theory, though. He was abused as a child by Joe, his father. How so? Um,
2: what kind of abuse?
3: F- did, Beaten, um, just physically abused, and who knows what else. And psychological yeah, abuse. Yeah, psychological abuse. And he never had a childhood.
2: Yeah, that's he for sure. He never had a childhood.
3: Yeah. And so he was a warped man. And, you know, it's, I mean, they, they exist.
2: Yeah. And, uh,. It- it was really troubling because I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. I loved. I was very sad when he died, and you know, now I've come face to face with his behavior and uh, the consequences of his behavior. And can I still like a Michael Jackson song? I'm dealing with all these things, Monroe. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, all right, let's uh, switch uh, the uh, topic to uh, Donald Trump. Uh, when Ray Hannania comes in, we'll do more of a local angle. Ray Hannania uh, on his way, folks. Uh, veteran Chicago reporter in the '70s, '80s, and '90s worked for the Sun Times uh, and the Daily. Downtown covered City Hall. So we're going to go talk about uh, great mayors and uh, city council feuds and first hundred days, sort of give a historical perspective to what Lori Lightfoot's encountering. Monroe, of course, uh, covered uh, city politics uh, for many years for the Sun-Times and the Tribune. Uh, And then he was press secretary to Monroe Monroe Anderson. He was secretary to uh, Eugene Sawyer. So he has a great perspective on all these things. I'm looking forward to that with uh, Ray Hanania when he comes in to do the uh, local Uh, uh, stories but uh, let's talk national Nancy Pelosi already mentioned this uh, is playing uh, this very interesting game Monroe Uh, so how how would you rate her performance so far first of all do you believe do you agree with me that that's the political game that she is playing
3: yeah she is playing a political game and I've I've grown so upset with Trump that my attitude is impeach him yesterday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but she, what she's doing is she's playing it out um, in in a manner so when they do it, people, uh, uh, American voters will be ready for it. Um, exactly. I worry about her being too safe on this whole thing. You know, if it was if 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 if, if it were the Republicans trying to get rid of Obama or, or President Hillary Clinton. Um, their drumbeat would be over. Yeah, you know, they they would have done this um, just blatantly and just said, "Okay, live with it or die with it."
2: What do you mean by too safe? You're worried that she's too safe.
3: He is obstructing justice in front of our very eyes. I mm-hmm. mean, by not allowing, ignoring subpoenas, having his people ignore subpoenas. Um, just he he's issued a blanket statement. Nobody can go talk to any committee. Any of the, the six House committees that are investigating mm-hmm. him, um, there is a law that says that if the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee asks for somebody's income tax, then you have to do it. It's not it's not up for debate or our judicial judgment or anything like that. The word in the um, law that was passed in the uh, nineteen twenty after the Teapot tea, tea Dome scandal, scandal. Mm-hmm. yeah, was that you shall. And in law, that means no ifs, ands, buts about it. That's the law, that's what you have to do. They're ignoring that. Mnuchin was on uh, in front of a committee today, uh, the head of the treasury. Mm-hmm.
2: Stephen uh, Mnuchin.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. da- da- dancing around trying to give excuses and, and explanations or what have you. They're breaking the law. This is a lawless president Mm -hmm. and and lawless administration. And you can't go, well, we're doing everything, all the hand-wringing and what have you. I think they should just do it. But but
2: you think the Dems should just uh, yes. uh, impeach him, Yes, and have the trial, and send it over to the exactly. Senate right yes. now. right. Uh, right now in the Republican fold, let me see I saw this article in the paper. you probably saw this. Let me get the exact name but my newspaper uh, read this on the train coming in today. There is actually one, one Republican Amash.
3: Yeah, uh, uh,
2: yeah, okay, you know the name. Very yeah. good. get you credit. I'm looking for the exact quote that he gave. Uh, One Republican, he's from Michigan, I want to say, do I have that right? Yeah, I think uh, so. And who who has said point blank, he issued this statement over the weekend. I was so thrilled by it. I was going to talk about it uh, uh, yesterday when it came back from the weekend, but we were just so overwhelmed with uh, Lori Lightfoot inaugural news. Uh, For the first time, a Republican has spoken out. And uh, to me, when I look at the Republican Party now, there's many reasons to be uh, disgusted with them. But I think at the top of the list is their spinelessness, the way they're just bending backwards just to do whatever Trump tells them to do, right. follow whatever right. order he tells them to do. Reminds me of the city council under the worst days of Rom Daly right. and the old man right. Um And yet this one man...
3: Who is a libertarian... And a teabagger yeah, uh, who just said, but he's very he's very principled, and so he said he read the Mueller report, and uh, he needed to be Trump had, should be indicted, yeah, impeached, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and he and well, okay, this is what I was thinking about the number of former federal prosecutors that have said they've read the Mueller report and that. Uh, Trump needs to be indicted. Mm-hmm. It's almost at one thousand now that have read it and said this, and Trump is still telling us no collusion, <laughs> no obstruction. Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, well, let's go back to this uh, this congressman. What he said was very interesting. When, I think he tweeted. I can't remember if he said it or tweeted out. Uh, he essentially said that if you read the Mueller report. You can come to no other conclusion that the, then this was obstruction of justice, right. and um, you have to read the Mueller report. Right. Uh, and and the Republicans' attitude toward him—they're out- outraged at him. Yeah. They're not outraged at the accusations, the allegations oh, that yeah, are.
3: Yeah. No. You know, just like they're outraged. At the FBI for investigating Trump instead of the Russians for corrupting, compromising Trump. It's it's a cockeyed world over there.
2: Yeah, it's an absolutely cockeyed world. And so one, one broke ranks, and now they're attacking him. Do you think any others will break ranks?
3: Sooner or later, once the hearings start, you'll start getting so. This is why we have to have the hearings. We need to start the impeachment. Mm -hmm. Because the problem is Nancy's plan is to have these people come and, and start start having um, inter, um, interviews, committee interviews with these folks, and then the, the Trump's crimes will come out through that.
2: Wait, what do you mean? These folk, which folks are you alluding to?
3: All the people who were quoted in the uh, Mueller report. We'll
2: have private so, interviews with. No, no, imbe-
3: no, public interviews. Ah, I see. She uh, wants to have,
2: but she me, wants to hearings. Yeah, okay, hearings, yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm.
3: hearings. Mm-hmm. Um, McGahn did not show up.
2: Mm -hmm. That was the president's lawyer.
3: Yeah, the president's lawyer. Mueller um, is still negotiating with them on how he's going to come in and 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 participate in a hearing. He'd rather have it private. It should be public.
2: All right, let's talk about Mueller, which, I mean... (laughs) I'm a little frustrated with Mueller's behavior here. Uh, but just the way he—he's
3: a Republican. See, people. I mean, Trump was talking about the 18 angry Democrats, which is another Trump lie on mm-hmm. uh, uh, this. And so, the 18
2: happening? angry Democrats who supposedly are the investigators for Mueller's. Yes, it? that's what yes, he's alluding to. Exactly. And we, why is that a lie?
3: Because mo- some of them are neutral. Um, most of them are Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, just like this, um, the the FBI people that he either drummed out of the office, or who he's doing all kind of strange things to every way he can. They're they're mainly Republicans. It, um, it is not a a, a liberal uh, <laughs> c- c- club there at the FBI. That's 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 not what happens. These guys are policemen. So that's not and and you know and so Mueller
2: is, himself. Uh, Mara is
3: a, a, a lifelong Republican. But,
2: okay, all right, see, what what disappoint... And,
3: and he's a Marine, so he's very disciplined, and he's not going to go any further than he has to. Mm-hmm. The, the prediction is that when he does come to a hearing, um, that he's only going to say what was already in the report. Yeah, He's not going to go say, well, you know, I, I think that Trump is... Um, Putin's puppet. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say anything like that.
2: Uh, uh, but there's some uh, merit to that because if he literally just says what's in the report, right, then that's a way of presenting to the American people what is in the
3: report. Of course, because the report is 448 pages long. Yeah. And um, most Americans go to the movie. They don't read the book.
2: (laughs) Or the circus. (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) So they are, you know, most, in fact, most of the congressmen Uh and women have not read the Mueller report. Yeah. You know, because it's a, it's a four hundred forty, and it's you know, and it's have it's,
2: you read the Mueller report? I, and read it's
3: part, t- I've read I've read accounts of the Mueller yeah. report, and I've read some of the Mueller report. But you know, you, you got to be really dedicated.
2: Dedicated. It's not the most uh, scintillating prose, it, exactly. Uh, but your point's very good one about Mueller himself. He's a a by the book type of guy right. who is really he's very concerned and cautious about uh, how he's perceived yes. uh, in this very partisan. Uh, investigation, or right. excuse me, in very partisan like uh, fallout from the investigation, right.
3: and, and, and he and he and he witnessed Comey blowing it, so he doesn't want to do the same thing. What
2: do you mean by Comey blowing it?
3: Had Comey not come forth with this, um, he was, was reopening the Hillary's email investigation mm-hmm. ten days before the election. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be saddled with Trump now. Mm-hmm. Hillary was eleven points ahead in the polls. Yeah. He comes in and does that, and and she went on a a, a dive. Her ratings. No. Went on a
2: dive. Uh So uh, how much uh, uh, how much legitimacy do you give to Donald Trump's claims that this is all an attempt to rewrite history? That this is all a bad uh, sportsmanship on the part of Democrats who are still haven't gotten over Hillary Clinton losing in 2016.
3: Uh, let's see. <laughs> He's, he's on record for 10,000 lies. <laughs> Somewhere in that 10,000 lies. Yeah. That is anchored.
2: Yeah. See, I don't have a problem with that accusation. I'm going to tell you this just straight. Okay. I, I don't have a problem with the accusation uh, that there's uh, bad blood. On the part of the Democrats toward Donald Trump, that Democrats still haven't gotten—I haven't gotten over the 2016 election. I don't think I'll ever get over the 2016 election <laughs> yeah, because the winner did not win.
3: Right, but we didn't get. <laughs> but Democrats were upset uh, uh, when 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 Bush won, thanks to the fro- Florida. I was
2: very upset back yeah, in 20, that, 2000 exactly, as well. But
3: they weren't upset like they are now. There's a big difference between Trump and Bush. Yeah, and how Trump won and how Bush won.
2: Uh, What's the difference?
3: The Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. The Russians, put Trump. Yeah,
2: okay. I could say we're descending. It was more honor being ushered in by the Republican majority of the Supreme Court as opposed to being ushered
3: in thanks to Putin. uh, Yeah, foreign foreign entity.
2: Now, here's uh, also my position, which puts me at odds with many of my uh, uh, lefty friends. I absolutely think that uh, there's a portion of America, uh, both on the left and the right, they cannot acknowledge that they were bamboozled by the Russians. They cannot acknowledge and confess and confront the fact that they were manipulated, and that's why I keep coming back to those emails in 2016 because I saw with my own eyes Bernie Sanders delegates booing uh, the Republic the their, the Democratic representatives of Hillary. I saw it, and they were manipulated by the uh, the the. Uh, the emails that were released by the Russians. Right. Now, I well, know- the Russians
3: were playing um, a, a propaganda warfare mm-hmm. overall. I mean, they turned blacks, blacks against whites. I mean, they were playing the black community with the Black Lives Matter thing. Mm-hmm. They, they were releasing these things. I mean, it, it was, they, they know psychologically, they know our weaknesses. And they played them like a, a, a drum.
2: Yeah. Well, I uh, like I said, there were a great, there were some uh, major ideological differences between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, and uh, it was difficult for Bernie Sanders Democrats uh, to accept that the ideology, the, the sort of centrist ideology of Hillary Clinton, would be the predominant one in the Democratic Party. Yeah. So that in itself was a difficult pill to swallow. I openly acknowledge that. I recognize that
3: because you were Bernie.
2: I was a Bernie guy. And I still, I I mean, I haven't decided who I'm going to vote for in this presidential election, uh, presidential primary. But I absolutely applaud Bernie Sanders for putting these issues to the forefront. Monroe, until Bernie Sanders came around, there was no mainstream politician. And he is effectively a mainstream politician advocating uh, Medicare for all. Yeah. And that's like a centerpiece now. No,
3: Bernie transformed the the party in those four years from from his run in mm-hmm. 2016 to now, because many of his issues are now being um, repeated or adopted by many of the 20 or so candidates. Absolutely, there are so he's had that impact. But as I've said to you over the last couple of years. Oh, my God, we're going to have this argument again. Go ahead, yeah. Bernie would not have won then. He won't win now because the Republicans, every ad will be with an, uh, a hammer and sickle on it. <laughs> and, and, they just, you know, it's like the he that won't even be socialist. It I, I'm over telling you communist. right
2: now, I'm telling you right now, uh, yes, you and I are both of the baby boomer uh, persuasion, but millennials... Don't view it that way, and uh,
3: the boomers, more boom, boomers vote than millennials.
2: Millennials, yes. valid point. Now that that's right. the valid point. Right. Right. And so they're going to hear, and and Trump already is playing that card. They're already yeah. talking about socialism, socialism, which is very interesting because Trump's the one who made the deal with Putin, right. who was a communist spy for the KGB yeah, right. back in the day. So, all right,
3: exactly. No, uh, Trump, Trump, Trump lives in opposite world. That's that's how I describe it. Uh, whatever he says is just the opposite of what actually is. And so when he says he doesn't cover up, he covers up. Yeah. He's he's he's, of course, accusing the Democrats of covering up and the Democrats are doing a great injustice to America. I mean, but everything he says is just the opposite. That's that's how you can figure out what, what, where the truth lies. If he says if he says it's it's raining outside, (laughs) leave your umbrella at home.
2: Yeah, Uh, that is Monroe Anderson. I'm Ben going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the abortion issue and how it's playing out uh, in this upcoming presidential race. Donald Trump, in my opinion, the Republican Party, in my opinion, has lost its collective mind. We'll get into that when we return. Did you know that 40 percent of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. Landcremationoptions.com.
1: Today's Ben Jaromsky show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org/tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh my! What magnificent architecture!
6: Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta, playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at Soleil.com. Volta thanks their partners, Hennessy Black and Champagne, Nicolas Fayette.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago
2: Sun-Times. Yes, indeed. We're live from my beloved bright one, uh, Ray Hannity, is in the studio. We're going to bring him on in a little while. Ray Hannity, a legendary Chicago Sun-Times reporter, going back to the days, going back to the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and we're going to do a deep dive on local issues uh, at the City Club today. Yep, I was at the City Club. They even gave me this honorary little
1: membership thing. And guys, if you just tuned in, he wore a blazer. I had to wear a Woo. blazer. First time I was ever invited to the city club. <laughs> a nice blazer too.
3: Yeah, it's a nice But Come he on, forgot man. he forgot his tie. <laughs>
2: I didn't forget his tie. No, I, never, I don't even have tie? a tie. What's your
1: theory on ties? <laughs> Mayor Rob didn't wear a tie. Why should I? Uh, is that my theory? You said should, it the other day. Uh, did I say that? What do you remember? I can't
2: remember anything I said anymore. I don't like ties, man. They pinched the neck. I've never liked ties. Even back a long time ago, my mom used to make me wear it. Put the tie on. I don't want to wear a tie. So I don't really wear a tie. I'm happy to see, as Dennis is uh, pointing out, that more and more mainstream types aren't wearing ties either. So they're, they're coming back to it's, my way. It's the
3: millennial Influence. It's the millennial.
2: Yeah, even guys in the NBA. I know there's no sports fans in this room, but in the basketball, National Basketball, oh, is, National Basketball Association. You see a lot of the coaches in the old days be all tie, you know, Pat Riley with that slick look, and now like Steve Kerr, they got the open collar, they got the Ben look. All right, the Ben look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, an open uh, collar and a blazer. All right, before we take uh, go into the local issues, ma'am, uh, Monroe, I got a bunch of things to talk about. We'll start with uh, Donald Trump and infrastructure. This is uh, he just was talking about this earlier uh, at a press. conference conference today. He's blaming Nancy Pelosi because they can't get an infrastructure deal. i just like to point out Donald Trump controlled both houses uh, for two years. If he wanted an infrastructure deal, he could have cut that deal back then. He didn't he want to have, do it. No,
3: he does. Okay. What he did today mm-hmm. was he, he was supposed to meet with them to talk about infrastructure. Um, they go into us to the white house to visit with him. They have this meeting and he, he talks about Pelosi saying that he he was engaged in a cover-up and he announces that he
2: was engaged. Yeah, he's mad at Pelosi for saying he's engaged in a Mm cover-up.
3: And he leaves the meeting before it starts, Mm -hmm. goes out into the Rose Garden Mm -hmm. (laughs) where he has a a stand set up with a sign on it about um, no collusion, (laughs) no obstruction. And he says he's not gonna do any deals with them until they quit investigating him. Um, the truth of the matter with the infrastructure mm-hmm. is because they had a meeting earlier, a couple of weeks ago, is he doesn't know where to get the money from. He doesn't have a plan. And so he can't, he doesn't have a plan to finance it. And so it's it's just a talking point for him. So he, he never has had a plan. Mm-hmm. Except, he, well, I take it back. His plan was to get his buddies, his, <laughs> It's one percent certain buddies to make money off of it by doing the construction and doing you know, pinstripe patronism.
2: Yeah, no, people. he was looking for a, a, uh, a patron uh, what needs. they call an income stream that he could dedicate to this, much the way the city of Chicago has a, a attempted to uh, to pay for its bills by doing things like turning over the parking meter uh, income yeah, stream exactly. uh, to the people. Effectively, you borrow the money up front, then you pay it back with the proceeds of the income stream, so you end up paying.
3: Yeah, that was his plan, and plus he's upset because the Democrats' idea for infrastructure has too much green stuff in it, you know, futuristic saving of energy, and, and he's not interested in that type of thing.
2: No, it is a it, it's a sign of where we are uh, politically in this country. Uh, I would love to hear and Nia's thoughts on this uh, later on, that uh, Democrats no, and know. Republicans can't even get together <laughs> on an infrastructure bill. Traditionally, when it comes to do- doling out pork, which is these classic infrastructure bills are, yes. Democrats and Republicans see eye to eye. Right. Everybody right. likes to dole the stuff out. Everybody right. needs their roads rebuilt. Everybody needs their bridges rebuilt. Right. I mean, it's something that I, there's no ideology involved here. It's just like basic services, right. fundamental to... Operating our government, and they can't see eye to eye on this, uh, then it's a sign of utter dysfunction.
3: Well, it's you know the, the Trump is the problem with it. Period. You know, as as he is with our our military, with our allies. I mean, this man is so incompetent. Mm-hmm. He's he's this is this is Trump. Mm. He's lazy. He's incompetent. <laughs> And, and he's narciss, narcissistic, narcissistic narcissistic okay okay it's a and and um, the trifecta right exactly and and, and, uh, and, that, and that's just the beginning of his faults
2: all right now uh please explain to me something uh, monroe anderson and help me uh, understand the strategy of the republican party here i'm a little confused here uh their their attack on uh right to choose, their attack on abortion. Yes. And they have gone to the extreme. Right. And we'll be talking about this uh, later this week with a couple of longtime Republicans who are coming in here uh, who've abandoned their party or they feel their party's abandoned them. Yeah. Uh, But obviously the the strategists put aside whatever uh, ideological reasons they have, their philosophical opposition to abortion. Clearly the strategists in the Republican Party feel that, Politically, this is the avenue to take, that this will help them uh, re-elect Donald Trump, uh, hold on to the Senate, well, and maybe even take back Congress.
3: That's that's sort of their thinking. But uh, first of all, they, they've gotten two of their guys on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And so they think that they can finally kill Roe. And so that's, that's the, the game plan on that is the reason these abortion um, laws are so obscene is because they figure it'll get help. It'll get it to the Supreme court quicker Mm -hmm. than if it was um, part bit by bit, which is what they were doing before incrementally killing the the situation. Um, The other thing is with um, McConnell,
2: Mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Is that he was a young Senator when Bork was rejected from the supreme court in
2: 1987 i want to say and Mm
3: -hmm. he was so infuriated with that that since then his game plan is just to ramrod everything through i mean he's he's an angry he's still an angry angry old man that angry old man
2: all right now listen i understand the strategy that they're employing uh by uh, adopting extreme laws that force pro-choice groups and organizations, like ACLU, Planned Parenthood, to file appeals and, and get it to the Supreme Court. I, right. And where uh, right. ultimately, they're hoping, they're banking on the, the two uh, rubber stampers that Trump put on yeah. to uh, rubber stamp a rejection of Roe. I understand, exactly. I understand what they're up to. What I don't understand is why they think that's good a political idea. Why they, why, why they think that will help them hold on to the White House Hold on to the senate and take back Congress. Because Most polls live, I've seen show that people right. in this country don't agree with those extreme points of view.
3: They they live in an alternative universe, you know, they they only know they only talk to right wingers, they only know right wingers, and they think that everybody else thinks like them, mm-hmm. and um they're in for a rude awakening
2: well i'll tell you what if we got rid of the electoral college system that we have in this country uh it would probably change some of these tactics because right now i would argue from just a raw political perspective that uh taking the hard line on abortion does not hurt them electorally in terms of their base Do you follow what I'm saying? So, in other words, they're going to hold on. I forget how many states, how many uh, electoral college votes there are.
3: They're going to lose the the blue wall that they they took down. They're going to lose that. Right now, in Pennsylvania, um, Biden is 11 points ahead in the polls Mm -hmm. over Trump.
2: Well, you're presuming that Biden will be the nominee when you say that.
3: Everybody else except there's one out out, out of the top six uh, Democrats running for office. All of them beat Trump. In the polls are 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 tied with him, and then I can't remember which one, but one is statistically tied mm. with him. Uh, that might be is either um, Beto or Buttigieg, mm-hmm. but one of them was like one point underneath. Yeah. Him. They should just uh, so, let, so let so the anybody, election... anybody any of them will beat Trump right now if the election were held. You
2: know right? what? If the election were held in Pennsylvania. Let's yeah. just let Pennsylvania decide everything, all right? Nobody else gets to vote for Pennsylvania. But no, I know what you're saying. Everybody's yeah, right. looking at No,
3: no, no. no. And, and, and Michigan, is doing, the, the Democrats are doing well. And all right. Michigan, so we'll have
2: three states. And those
3: are the three states that... Wisconsin. In add in Wisconsin office. to that. Nobody
2: yeah. else gets to vote. Because we already know how these states are going. That's just crazy... Se- I want to hear if and Nia can defend this system we have of electing presidents. but Everywhere else, every sporting event I know, everything I know, if you get more points than the other guy, you win. Except when it comes to the most
3: important Democratic. Well, well, we have to ask, Ray, how much medical marijuana he has. All right,
2: no medical marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, before we get to medical marijuana uh, with Ray Hanania, uh, I I have to ask you this, Monroe, before we go to break and bring uh, Ray on. Uh, Your dear friend, uh, Mayor Rahm, uh, has left office. He's left office. And
0: uh, <laughs>
2: your dear friend. Anyway, uh, he wrote an essay which is a, truly astounding, and I'm, I'm, I, I I struggle with how much attention should I pl- play to the insane uh, essays that Rom writes? But he writes this for some reason, The Atlantic which I always thought had a, a good reputation for being a journal of higher thinking, etc., has hired Mayor Rahm to be uh, a contributing editor. I believe they gave him a title and everything. Yeah,
3: and, and he's going to be, he's a ABC. He's going to be with his buddy Chris Christmas. All right, I can
2: see ABC. ABC. Yeah. I mean, ABC, it's TV. It's all a game anyway. It's all ratings. Yeah. And yeah. so he's uh, well-known. He's a celebrity. I understand. Right. You bring him on, right. you know, uh, it's part of the larger circus. That yeah. seems to be the theme of our show today. Uh, and uh, so, but, you know, like, The Atlantic is trying to position itself as a thoughtful publication uh, that pays attention to facts. And here you have the former mayor of the city of Chicago, who was arguably the most elitist mayor The city has ever had. In my life, I've lived a long time. Okay, everybody else at least pretended they' from the city. They cared about the city. They were of the people of the city. You know, they knew the neighborhoods of the city. You know what I'm saying? Everybody pretend. Rom comes in from Washington, just like you know, he's Mayor One Percent and proud of it. He wrote an essay yesterday. Shining the Democrats for being the party of the elites. Did you see this essay?
3: No, 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 no. I missed it.
2: Oh my goodness! I, I was
3: tied up with the the, the new mayor, <laughs> the good mayor, mayor Lori Lightfoot. Yes, exactly.
2: Uh, well, that that's it. Interesting point. but Some people say, Ben, you got to let it go. All right, let Mayor Rahm say whatever he wants. I have an issue with that, though, because he's rewriting complete history. I have trouble with that. If he's presenting, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Like giving advice to people by completely rewriting well, I, I, things. I
3: don't know, but when, but when he first hit the scene, you know, the, the mayoral scene, I, 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 I referred to him as a corporationalist then, and he proved me right.
2: What do you mean by that, a corporationalist? He,
3: he, he was for corporations he was the corporation's guy he was the business he was the the the, the wealthy person's guy mm-hmm. the rich person's guy i mean that's what he he was for corporations
0: he didn't hide it either
3: no he didn't hide no in <laughs> fact um he he brags about all those cutting cutting the procedures to get a permit to build something along the riverfront he just like cut that you know okay Forget that. Let's let's just get to it and get it done.
2: Yeah, you know what else he uh, he cut and allowed to happen on the riverfront—the big Donald Trump name on that building oh, right there yeah, in the right. Chicago exactly. River. Oh
3: yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Oh I know, I know. No, no it, yeah. it was it was
2: that happened under Rom's watch.
3: Yeah, well Rom Rom picked up the mantle from Daly uh-huh. Guy Daly about turning Chicago into Paris. Yeah where all the wealthy and middle class people live in the city and the poor people live in sur- surrounding I'm not even sh-
2: certain about the middle class people living in the city of Chicago anymore. We had Linda Lutton on last week from WBEZ and she was talking about studies that have shown uh, the Chicago in the last few years demographically has become a city of more extremes. There's wealthier people than there ever been before in the yeah. city. Uh, and then there's, uh, as always, a good contingent who are poor. It's the middle class. Uh, that
3: is leaving Chicago. Well, the poor is leaving too, but yeah, but the middle class—we're—we're—we're we're, we're, we're losing. It's, it's too expensive. I mean, if you look at um, all these little fees that we're being nickel and done mm-hmm. with, you know, you have to pay for your garbage now to get there, and you have to pay more for your 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 water. I mean, it's these little fees, parking tickets, and speeding tickets have been j- jacked up quite a bit. So, so there, it's it's a, a death by a thousand cuts. Well,
2: that everything you're saying just points out how bizarre. I can't even say, I don't even know if irony does justice to the notion of Rahm Emanuel chiding Democrats for being elitists when he has been paying the bills uh, for the city of Chicago on the backs of poor people he, through parking tickets right, well, and impounding cars. He
3: studied Trump, and this is what Trump does too. What you do know, you it's like Trump lies about. Um, He'll he'll take the position opposite of what he's doing and what he's thinking. Trump does it. M- M- Mary Manuel was an elitist mayor mm-hmm. for sure, but then he's attacking others for being what he is.
2: Uh, you know what? By the way, I have a t- t- the word "elite" itself is such a dog whistle in politics. I don't even know what it means anymore. People use the word "elite." They want to conjure something. It's like political correctness. People want to use political correctness when it suits their perf- their purpose. They don't want to use like people. Re- there's re- Republican political cor- correctness. You cannot find one Republican, for instance, who will honor an atheist. You're not going to find a Republican who says like an atheist has a right uh, to. Uh, you run for office or you know expresses well, or the republican when they give those at the republican convention and they're talking about all the great religions of the well, world well, then know, they go by our atheist friends yeah no
3: but the good thing about being an atheist which i am is that it scares the, the living daylights out of christians you know, I've I've had I've I've had um, seven day adventurers or uh, those Adeptus, people adventurers yeah. the, the people that come out yeah, in your doorbell yeah and, and um, they want to come in and give me a lecture or a sermon or something and I tell them I'm an atheist mm-hmm. and. They go. They disappear. They didn't yeah. want to be close to anybody yeah. like yeah, that. No, I mean, on, on Facebook, <laughs> when they start talking about God and Christians and everything, I tell them I'm an atheist. Yeah, I did not, kills I've the conversation.
2: All these, I did, all these years I've known you, I did not. We never talked really. Well, I did not know you were yeah, an
3: atheist. Well, actually, I, if, depending on which side of the bed I wake up on, sometimes I'm an agnostic.
2: I see. Uh, well, today I'm feeling a little <laughs> agnostical. <laughs> yeah, uh, but,
3: but, 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 but I'm, I'm not
2: yeah. religious. All right. That, I guess, is the bottom line. All right. Anyway, uh, Monroe Anderson is his name. He's my guest. Ray Hanania is sitting by. Uh, I'm going to keep them both in the studio. We're going to switch gears, do a more local uh, conversation about the first 100 days of various mayors. We go back and we've got some old people in this room with some old brains that still have not died yet. And we can remember Mayor Byrne, Harold Washington, Gene Sawyer, Richie Daly, uh, Rahm Emanuel, and now Lori Lightfoot. So a lot of Chicago political conversation coming up with some really smart people. Get your paper out, get your pencils out, take notes. We're taking the deep dive. We'll be right back.
1: Today's Ben Jeromski show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh, my, what magnificent architecture. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right, so here's how this works. The Bendorowski Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download The Bendorowski Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Bendorowski shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.sun-times.com the Chicago Reader Online, Chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one, just search for the Ben Jarovsky show, J O R A, Via's and Victory, S-K-Y. So let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live-streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, The Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, May twenty second is moments away. If you're listening live right now, and you're like, "Oh, what the hell? I thought the show was over." Oh no, nuh uh, we went an extra. Well, we went an hour late, I guess you could say. Ben went to a, a what is it again? A what, what was city it? club?
2: They, they they I guess they were feeling very you know open minded. They brought a lefty in there to the city club. Uh, Ray had and he uh, joined the conversation. They were Very nice to me. Everybody was really nice. Not only
1: did they not just shove him in the back like most meetings he goes to, they <laughs> Let him speak on stage. Yeah,
2: let me speak. All right, enough, Ben. Enough of you and that lefty stuff. And then you know, they announced that Lori Lightfoot was coming in. Everybody was like, oh, wow, Lori Lightfoot's coming next week. Well, get this old lefty off the stage.
1: Uh, but I wore a blazer. Show All him right? that blazer. Show everybody All that right, blazer. Show that. Look, he doesn't want to take it off. Hey, the take
2: it off. They got to put it on again. I got the head. Full. Anyway, I wore my wife. My wife dressed me up really nice. I got to sit next to Laura Washington and Jen Sabella, some big time operators. He's a modest man. He doesn't and, have to uh,
1: admit that his wife dressed him up, but it's, he
2: does. She dressed me, man. She She's like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going out looking like that. Anyway, it was a lot of fun.
1: Hour number two of your program is just moments away. Technically, I guess hour number three, we played a bonus interview in the beginning. But regardless, we'd like to thank the following unions for jumping on board here and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky Show. First up, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. And the International... Union of Operating Engineers Local 150. Big thank you to those groups for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky Show and of course, today's program is brought to you by our friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Yes, it is Wednesday, May 22nd and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio, and we welcome reporter Ray Hanania. Now your host, maybe owner of one blazer. <laughs> it's a good looking one, though. Oh, it's a nice
2: blazer. Chicago
1: Reader, columnist Ben Jirowski.
2: Yes, indeed. That's a blazer in a jacket, folks, not as a car. Ray Hananaya is sitting across the uh, desk from me. Monroe Anderson is still here before I bring him on. You got any updates for us, young man?
1: I absolutely, I do here. I have two updates, one local and one national. But first, mm-hmm. today's Ben Jirowski show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. Mm-hmm. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And it's pretty badass, guys. Furniture, appliances, lamps, books, clothes, electronics. Guys, it's a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop in Chicago that helps bring you the Ben Jarovsky Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, tell them thank you and go check out Green Element Resale 6241 North Broadway and find more information at greenelement.com resale.com. Now this next part may sound a little biased because they're sponsors, but it's the best thrift shop in the world. In the world. All right, so let's do our uh, updates here. Like I said, we got one local and one national. First the local. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the woman Spielman By the way, check out the Fran Spielman Show. If you've yet to do so, chicago.suntimes.com. Embattled Alderman Edward Burke of the 14th Board was accused Wednesday today of violating the city's ethics ordinance (laughs) by presiding over workers' compensation (laughs) claims for members of eight labor unions his law firm represented. The complaint Mm. was filed by one Jay Stone. Oh, Jay Stone. The maverick son of former longtime Alderman Bernard Stone. Bernie. Until his death in December 2014, Bernard Stone was a close friend and longtime ally of Burke.
2: Yes, uh, and let me just say about Bernie Stone, may he rest in peace. He was the alderman for many years in the 54 War on the far north side of Chicago. West Rogers Park lands from that area, neck of the woods. And our, our, our show editor, Ray Hanania, of course, remembers Bernie Stone. Bernie Stone uh, was one of the few old-time aldermen who put up with me. He, every time I would call him, he would, first of all, call me back. So I always appreciated that, right? And uh, just anybody, you know, just engaging in a dial. But then he would always start the conversation and by telling me
7: talk to you right
2: yeah anybody would talk to me is okay in my book even if i disagree with him and he's a republican
7: it, and, and, Monroe, well, did you explain to him why the city club invited him they they need to understand tiff <laughs> gonna understand how are they going to impose a tiff that they can get past ben Wait, right. you know hey, so they, they're getting smart
2: that, that, that first push. question ray was about tiff but course. let me just say uh bernie used to start every interview with ben <laughs> you don't know, Rick. you don't understand. That's him, and that, that was, Bernie, was him. That was yeah. him. Bert, you what you liberals don't understand. And uh, I love Bernie Stone, so anyway, Jay Stone is still, he, uh, I don't know if you know this, Ray, but Jay uh, went in a totally different direction than daddy. Ray. Uh, Jay Stone is um, very much a quote-unquote independent reformer. He's been fighting the machine, and his dad was very much a part of this.
7: I, I remember meeting him when he was a kid is there. All right, let's talk a long about long time ago.
2: Ray Hanania, when I first moved to Chicago back in 1981, you were already a young reporter for I want to say the South Town I would read, yep. and I would I went to the municipal reference library. I wanted to learn about Chicago politics because I was new to town. I didn't know anything about Chicago pol. I mean, I I didn't have that the, the understanding that I really needed to write about it. and I just spent days in the municipal reference library reading old columns and articles. Uh, guys like uh, oh my god, there was the dude um uh,
7: Golden, Bob Davis. Yeah,
2: but then Nate then Clay. I mean, there were a lot of people James that Clay, I read. Yeah, yeah people oh, that yeah. I read. The Axman. I don't know if you remember that. I learned a lot about yeah, black yeah. politics from The Axman Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Lou Palmer. Yeah. So it's like I really was taking a deep dive, and you were already writing. You already had a voice. Ray and Nia had a voice. This was back in 81, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, you were, couldn't have been like more than 25, 26, whatever you were. And you had this voice that's kind of like a wise ass, st- I wouldn't say whiny. That's you. Put, put yourself down, boy. Don't it don't wasn't whiny, but it was like this kind of wise-ass, uh, street-wise persona. This is how the game is played. Uh,
7: you had to punch the people in power to get attention.
2: had to punch the people. All right, talk to, explain to people uh, where you learned first learned about Chicago, Chicago politics. Obviously, you were born here.
7: Milt Raycove. Oh. I was a student of Milt Raycove at the University of Illinois. I, uh, I went to, I studied at Northern for two years. My draft number was low. Uh, I think it was like 32 or something, and I was gonna get called up for the Vietnam War. And I, you know, again, I was hoping Nixon <laughs> would've got us out, but no, he had this. double down on night. it. So I went into uh, the service, got out, went to the University of Illinois at uh, Circle to study Middle East politics, and Rico pulled me over and he goes, look, you're not, you don't want to be a terrorist covering the Middle East. You want to be a terrorist covering City Hall. So I said, all right, that sounds pretty good. I'll do that. He says it's much safer. And that's how he started.
2: Now, Mil Rakoff, of course, is a great political scientist. He wrote Make the Make no
7: waves. Don't back no losers. Um, we don't want nobody. Nobody sent. Right. These are tr- great lines from... Chicago politicians, His right? oral histories. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, interesting thing. A little uh, trivia point that means nothing to absolutely anyway. Well, that's why I will state this. Two of the greatest scribes of Chicago history were both uh, initialed MR. Think about it. No. Whoa! Get out the barn. Right. Um, so. Mike Royko and Milton Rakoff. and uh, they of course went at it a little differently. Now, Ray, uh, but you are from Chicago, so you didn't have to do. I the... lived
7: on the southeast side. Okay. Until Monroe moved into my neighborhood <laughs> in 1968, and we fled to the suburbs. When you we, I,
2: basically, we, we, we not <laughs> no, literally <laughs> Monroe. <laughs> no, but not literally yeah, Monroe. I think it was Monroe. I think it was Monroe. He was like, Monroe was, was a Gary he's been hounding yeah, me yeah. ever exactly. since. I got Say, huh? <laughs> but leave the poor guy alone. He was living in Gary, Indiana. I went to Roosevelt High School, and uh, I had nothing to do with the southeast. Although, if you go, keep going southeast, you'll end up in Gary. Till Hill. Hill. Uh, so you went. You went to. Uh, Bowen I went to Bowen High Bowen School. High School for and then two you went years. to Bogan.
7: Yeah, and then I went to Bogan. I was the darkest kid. At Bogan. Where, where are you when I need you, Monroe? <laughs> so he I wasn't get to going Bogan. to Bogan. I was there six weeks. <laughs> I didn't even
3: walk through the neighborhood.
7: <laughs> I was there six weeks, and the principal, Mr. Avers, one of the senior principals over there, grabbed me by the collar. He goes, Your hair's too long, and your jeans are really raggedy. And I go, What are you talking about? And he goes, You're out of here. You need to go to Calumet which was all black school down south. I think it was southeast of uh, Bogan. Yes. Yes. So Chicago, I didn't last right? long. I <laughs> yeah. didn't last long. That,
2: that, that's Chicago. So Chicago, and folks, I'm going to, uh, so our younger listeners give me a little uh, history here. When he went to Bowen, B-O-W, E-N or A? E-N. E-N. I always command me spelling, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Ray. Hey. laughs> e or A, uh, Bowen is on the southeast side, uh, on near the lake uh, in the seventh ward. Or Ten, they,
7: tenth ward, eighth ward, right around there now. Well, they moved the wards we, around. But, job, but
2: I think it's the seventh when you were there. Anyway, doesn't matter. And
7: they had the steel mill still. The steel, steel mill, yeah. A yeah. steel mill country,
2: very integrated. A yep. lot of different types of. Everybody people.
7: had their own pocket. Yeah. You know, we were a group of Arabs living with Jews. There was like a uh, Polish uh, uh, area. There was a, uh, you know, uh, you know, Eastern uh, Serbian area. There were how many? African American? No, there were none. There were no blacks. Exactly. There were some. Oh, blacks, wait, there were like some the blacks working at the church. And okay. at the synagogue, yeah, right. Exactly. They're only on the weekends. Right. And then, yeah. but the black community was uh, west of uh, Stony Island because when I got, when I finally got my first job illegally at 14, telling people I was 16, working at Jewel, uh, Muhammad Ali would come to the Jewel right at the border between the black and white Wait, area, which, which and, and which I would Jewel carry would his. right he'd... at 87th and uh, Stony Island. Muhammad and, Ali would come to yeah, that. Yeah, and I would he'd pull up and. Uh, a brand-new Lincoln Continental, the yeah. Lincoln Continental One. That was before they had the Roman numerals. Yeah.
2: And uh, so and he, any,
7: he'd pick me out. He'd say, give me that guy over there, the dark kid, and I'd carry his bags out to the car, and he'd give me a buck. A, a, that's it? Little a, did he know. He's Muhammad Ali. He gave you a dollar? Yeah. He, hey, that was a lot back then. <laughs> We're talking in the 60s. That was like a yeah. $10 tip.
2: All right. That's pretty good. All right. Now, uh, so then to move from Bowen, to Bogan, B-O-G-A-N, back in the late 60s, early 70s, was an extreme move uh, racially, uh, politically, because even though it's the same city, Bogan is on the far southwest side, and back in those days...
7: Yeah, blacks and whites didn't live together, Hispanics, blacks and whites, we all lived in different neighborhoods. Even the white areas were divided ethnically. Mm -hmm. So uh, African-Americans, realtors, brought African-Americans into our neighborhood and uh, went around telling all the white people, if you don't sell your house, you're gonna lose every penny. So literally, the, the white neighbors would—I remember—they'd organize these meetings and say, "Don't move, don't move." And the next morning, that person who was saying, "Don't yeah. move," was the first person to sell the house. A yeah. raisin in the sun.
3: Yes, yeah, a raisin.
2: Well, the right I answers.
7: wrote a, I wrote a book online called uh, Midnight Flight because you'd say good night to your neighbor and the next morning there'd be a black family wow. living in the house. That's how, how it was.
2: That's yeah. how extreme it was. And then and when I- And I, we
7: were black, you know, being Arab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were running until I got the to Bogan. And, uh, yeah, and so you did. come to- Then it was up, it was over.
2: You watched the, the, the boundaries in the city of Chicago. I, I This was happening in real time. The, between the, the black neighborhoods and the white neighborhoods continually moving west. Oh, yeah. So it's like Halstead, and then it made its way to Ashland.
7: They had that Father Lawler at Ashland Avenue. Very good, Father I, I remember Lawler. all these guys, because you know You could not live in Chicago without wondering, well, who is a black right. person?
2: Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't meet any. We are now I'm going to give Ray Nia a trivia test. OK, we're going to see how sharp that memory is for Ray. And if he's victorious, we will give him we will mail him some frozen steaks. Are you ready, young man? Yeah, don't All expect right. those. Steaks.
0: I'm not going to do that.
2: Right. The, All right. I'm in my in 60s. Ground. I don't eat steak. Father Lawler, the aforementioned Father Lawler. Was the alderman of what? Fifteenth ward. War. Man, give that man the frozen Done. steaks! That was easy.
7: Uh, that was easy. Uh, that was, that easy. was easy. Listen, who were the two guys that used to hang around with Bernie Stone all the time? The trio walking around City Hall talking to everybody. Oh, well, it was Fred Rhodey. One okay. would be
2: one. Uh, Fred Roadie from alderman of the right. first ward. There, there yep. was another one.
7: Yep. Oh, yeah. John Madrick. Oh, John Madrick from the Thirteenth Ward, Johnny.
2: Silent John. I'm not saying anything. Look at the
7: press room and say, "We don't understand how anybody allows you to stay here for free." (laughs) What, do you want you to rent the place? They are going to kick know? us out. They come, why even give the press free room and board? All
2: right, so you went to Bogan, then you didn't last there very long. No, six it, weeks. Six
7: weeks, right. I think Edith, Tom McNamee was there. Tommy to, you know, Mac. They, he may have stood up and said, leave the guy one day. This guy looks like he could be a good writer.
2: Uh, Tom McNamee, of course, uh, editor, uh, of the editor of the editorial page here at the Sun-Times. Good friend of the Vendrowski Show.
7: Always uh, oh, from Bogan. You always talk about him from yes,
2: Bogan. Yes, 1973 graduate of Bogan High School. All right, uh, so Milt Raykoff. The political scientist steers you in the direction of politics. Of, of politics. Uh, you get a job at the Southtown Economist, and then you find your way to my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun Times. Yeah. When you start writing for the Sun Times. Well, I,
7: I started writing for the Southtown. I was writing letters to the editor about the Middle East screaming and yelling. <laughs> and I would handwrite 10 pages uh, and I'd bring them to the editor. And one day the editor goes, Hey, how would you like to work for the paper? Because I'm tired of retyping all your letters. So he literally hired me and put me in charge of the education beat and of course i was educated in chicago <laughs> where nobody can count or read no. and then uh i ended up becoming city hall reporter because you can't Blandic, count or read do you remember this guy mike Michael Blandic? Blandic, of course. he was the mayor uh-huh. and uh he um was the most boring mayor the city ever had <laughs> for sure and the biggest story was on the front page of the tribune in 1978 Bolandic to run marathon in uh ridge in the chicago ridge uh, what was that out in the south side that was the big story it was yeah. like an exclusive yeah. it was all over tv and the radio and uh, the editor of the south town stood on a desk i don't know, with i don't know why they always do this they, bruce sagan gets on the desk and he goes we're gonna go daily with the demise of the daily news who wants to go to city hall and everybody ducked <laughs> but i was too dumb to know what he was talking about so i ended up going to city hall and that's what happened That's so how you, I got you went there. to city
2: hall in 78 yep and yep. Uh, so describe what you saw when you uh showed up at city hall in 1978.
7: No black people. No. <laughs> no. Well, there was one desk. There was one desk for the black reporter from the Chicago Defender who never, sho- about who never showed. Who never showed
3: up. Right, because that was the first black reporter yes. to cover City Hall, and that was in like, yes. you know, uh,
7: eighty-two. Eighty-two for Sorry. a major white newspaper. So we thought he was Puerto Rican.
2: thought uh, he was Puerto Rican. So that is pretty astounding, by the way. Uh, so folks should understand the depths of uh, segregation and racism in the city of Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. 1978, the city was, gotta had to be at least 40% black by then. One of that. the first
7: things Harold Washington did was he walked down to the city hall press room, looked at it, said, you guys ever been to the hood? Get ready. That was like our first week after he was inaugurated. And
3: they were worried about that. (laughs) Yes, we were.
7: And that was the first time newspapers said, you know, we're going to assign a second reporter to help (laughs) you. The black guy. The white reporter (laughs) will stay at City Hall. The the black black guy would go with Harold. You'll Uh, go to the South Side to eat breakfast with him in the morning. All right, so
2: who are some of the characters that you met uh, back in 1978? There were no black people. Okay.
7: Well, Harry Golden was uh, sitting in a typewriter and uh, always like, you know, oh, uh, court. growling, yeah, he was right, kind he of growling. Like, the other report. you're like at the zoo when there's this <laughs> tiger there, <laughs> dragon. <laughs> and I went up to him and I said, hey, Harry, you've been here at the uh, Bolandex press secretary. What was the lady's name? I can't remember. She goes, uh, you've been here uh, eight years. Why would anybody want to be here eight years? And he goes, what do you know? He starts screaming and yelling at me. And then yeah. Bob Davis from the Tribune comes up. He goes, hey, get over here and I walk over by his desk and he goes he pulls open his drawer and he says see this key I go yeah he goes, this is the most important key in the City Hall press room I go really what's it for he goes he walked up took the key went to this big cabinet looked like a TV set uh-huh. and he goes it's for this cabinet and you never touch this key and he put the key in the door, opened the cabinet, and it was filled with booze. <laughs> Crown Royal because from the Alderman
2: would right. give them booze. That is amazing, would, would they ever drink the booze? All or the time,
7: <laughs> are you kidding? We used to smoke in the City Hall press room, yeah. the beginning. The Cigarettes, first. no yeah. reefer. Cigarettes and cigars, Alderman yeah. used to come in with cigars, smoke filled rooms, they and, really existed.
3: And when I covered City Hall in 83, um, it was 83, okay. Anyway, there were a couple of aldermen who shall go unnamed Mm -hmm. where you could smell this uh,
7: marijuana being smoked in their offices. Is that right? I think Monroe was bringing the reefer. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say. And that's why no, we no, let no, him no. into the press room. No, 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 no And I it's be... not marijuana. It's doobies and reefers. Wait, so time out.
2: Okay. The, uh, the culture of the city hall press room in the 1970s, uh, Ray Hanania, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. would not have been conducive to marijuana smoking. Am I right about oh, that? Oh, yeah, no. It's would, about like they, cigars. It would have been
7: cigars. Cigarettes. Booze. Booze. And booze was assigned to the, your ward, depending on what part of the city you were in. Your crown royal was from the north side. This was and, the west side. Uh, what, oh, and no, the uh, oh. Roman Puczynski used to bring this uh, Polish vodka that we used to clean our <laughs> shoes with It was so strong. <laughs> yeah. And he'd bring it, give everybody a bottle. Crown Royal from the north side? Harry would take that Crown Royal bottle, every one of them from every reporter. Nobody could keep it. He'd, he'd take the bottle, put it in the cabinet, and then he'd take the... Uh, the bag, the velour bag that it was in, uh-huh. and then he'd put his newspaper clippings inside there.
2: <laughs> All right, so now 1978, you're there. Michael Bolandic is the mayor. He, of course, was the mayor who was filling the last two years of Richard J. Daly's term. Richard J. Daly died in office, uh, and then there was the 1979 election that has some parallels that we went through just now, yeah, yeah. where this is earth-shattering upset. Jane Byrne defeated Michael Bolandic, first time ever. Uh, yeah. The machine lost,
7: and and Mike Royko gave her thirty six thousand votes. His column was valued at thirty six. He was like a precinct captain for the media. Yeah, they said his column could deliver thirty six thousand votes. Who, who came up with that number?
3: But 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 actually, Volandic gave gave, gave her uh, the, the office by um, you had the storm. The yeah, the storm. the snowstorm, the blizzard. Yeah, yeah. and when the, what they did was they had the trains mm-hmm. coming in and they didn't stop in the black community they passed up monroe passed. every time <laughs> right. exactly. it's true that's what they
7: did Bolandic. monroe Wanda hasn't Wright. ridden a train in a long time all right
2: uh so uh
3: but but you had these black people standing who got upset this, yeah. yeah got upset and they voted for burn yeah yeah they, well
7: I mean, about time. Good God. You know what I mean? Blandic was a bean counter who knew how to run. He could run a minute. Jog, uh, run, jog, jog. yeah. His his
3: mother was dying at the time, also. I did not know
7: that. Yeah, she died right just before the election. Right. It got him about 10,000 votes, but that was it. So Jane Mike Byrne. Ro- Mike Boland. <laughs> wait, time
2: out. Let's go back to the Royko thing. Where, where'd you get that 36,000 number? Was
7: That that, that was, uh, you know, Harry yeah. Gold. Maybe Royko, but Harry Gold. Uh, <laughs> Jay McMullen, who was Jane Byrne's husband, would yeah. come in there and say, hey, Mike Royko, he's gonna, we're going to win, because Royko was writing all these columns beating up on Bolandic. This guy, uh, Royko was a great writer because his best line was, even in Chicago, there should be a speed limit on how fast a police, uh, city employee can turn a bribe. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, I
2: he's a great, he came yeah, up now. with those lines, he, yeah, man.
3: No, he's a great writer.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, you're, you're a rookie reporter, you're downtown, Jane Byrne's running. What were your initial thoughts of Jane Byrne when she well, was this insurgent candidate? Well,
7: nobody covered her except the community press. <laughs> I, I was right for the South Town. She came out to the southwest side um, there were a lot of white women from Bogan High School, the Bogan Broads. Yeah, A lot of them were actually nice ladies, yeah, I don't, but that was the name they gave themselves, yes, Bogan that's Broads. Correct. And uh, so they invited Byrne out there, and Byrne was talking to them, saying, hey, you guys have been pushed out of government, you don't have a voice, I'm going to give you your voice back. Um, Bolandic pretty much ignored everybody, and uh, you know that's, that's how I met her. I would go out to the southwest side and cover her. And, you know, she was pretty nice. She talked to me all the time. Always Miss Happy.
2: And she you know. was, uh, uh, was it? She'd a, have a wig yeah.
7: and a heavy coat. Did you think
2: she could possibly win?
7: Nobody thought she could win. <laughs> When Nobody. did you first think? They, it, when when, uh, Mike, or when uh, Alderman Ed Burke had a birthday party for Fred Rohde at City Hall. And these they, are all there were all no, They were not hiding anything back then. When they wanted to use government <laughs> yeah. to celebrate somebody's birthday, they'd do it at City Hall, and they'd use all the booze from the City Hall. press Hall's car. <laughs> yeah. um, he said, nobody's going to vote for her. Nobody votes for their aunt. Yeah. He said nobody votes for their aunt. Nobody wants Aunt Jane, you know, to be elected mayor of Chicago. And uh, then afterwards, he said, "We have a problem to the to Harry." Harry, and Golden. this is like about maybe ten days before the election, and uh, um, we kind of knew that these guys were nervous, but they still thought they could pull it off. But um, when they lost, it was the biggest story in. Well, in Ray, the
2: I have to say this: uh, I'm not from Chicago, so everything I'm learn about chicago is i, I mean, i'm literally learning it for the first time so there's disadvantages and advantages one of the advantages is that i think chicago behavior is weird because yeah. this is not acceptable behavior so yeah. get back well, to play let's just talk about this utter arrogance of the people who run this city well, was, they did not clear the streets then they told people move your cars to these designated parking lots it was so worse people are,
7: that he had a he had a deputy mayor that they paid $90,000 for a 90-page report on, on how to removable. deal with snow. Yeah. And the main conclusion was to get rid of the snow after a big snowfall. Yeah. You shovel the snow. Yeah.
2: No, I could have told them that. I would have done it for 45000 But they told people, dig your cars out, move them to these designated lots. Yes. When they people went outside, dying. Yes. and this was some and serious snow. And that was the
7: snow. tribune that Bob Davis, he went out to the lots to check them. Give him credit. Wait, hey, time out. I gotta get the Tribune credit something for Ray <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> I you know that's hard I, for you to the do. Sun Times was phenomenal. I loved working there. I got well, hired well, in '85 to okay. work for him. But uh, Bob Davis actually went out to a lot, and it was because he lived out in that area, <laughs> okay. and he couldn't park his car. He, he came to work late, several hours, and he wrote a big story about how they said they plowed these lots, but they never well, did. Well, I
2: also remember TV reporters, uh, like st- we are standing in the you know, TV reporters. Well, they would follow all the newspapers. Oh, yeah, remember right. the
7: day Monroe when yeah. newspapers led the news, oh, yeah. and the, the radio reporters and the TV reporters, they literally put me on retainer. I was working for ABC, you, yeah, uh, WLS that, and yeah. NBC right. to Bring them up to speed on what was happening at City Hall. All right. right
3: no, jo- Joyce was working at Channel 2. Joyce in, is in, Monroe's I mean, yeah. wife. She was working at Channel 2 in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And she said that they would read the Sun Times and the Tribune to decide what stories they were right. going to cover. Yeah. And her position was, well, well, can't you go out and find your own news? You're supposed to be news reporters, no, can't come you? On.
7: And, <laughs> that's, and that's when it changed, when it shifted from print all the way to radio and TV. Yes. Exactly. All right.
2: That's Ray Henry. Uh, Monroe, Monroe was
7: at uh, WBBM. I, I, right. I, I went with the flow. You went
2: with the flow <laughs> where the money was. And
7: that's why we have Trump today, because of TV. <laughs>
2: we will uh, do. Uh, A little more talk about uh, those Jane Byrne years with Ray Hadania and Monroe Anderson when we return.
1: Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture.
6: Cirque du Soleil's Big Top comes back to Chicago with its latest show, Volta. Venture into a captivating voyage of discovery inspired by the adventurous spirit of freedom where a surge of action sparks a high-voltage journey. Volta, playing May 18th through July 6th under the Big Top at Soldier Field. Tickets at Soleil.com. Volta thanks their partners, Hennessy Black and Champagne,
4: Nicolas Fayette. But we got to get down to business.
2: Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time.
1: ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun Times. Yes,
2: indeed, we're having a lot of fun here. Ray Hanania, Monroe Anderson, uh, and uh, myself—three old timers sitting around talking Chicago politics. We go way back. You put all our ages together, we're well over a hundred years
1: old. Uh, <laughs> Wait, let me do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! Yeah, I know. It's the,
2: we got to bring in Dan Biss for I, this I, heavy lifting. I living. think
3: we're two hundred. Oh yeah, my god! All right. 200. Yeah, maybe you're
2: uh, hundred. two <laughs> hundred. Uh, so before we uh, go back to our uh, our, our story about the first 100 days of various mayors. What you got for me, D? I'm oh, doing the math, and whoa,
1: really old. You guys are old all together. All right. All right. Yes, we're doing the first 100 days here uh, throughout mayoral history, mm-hmm. and let's talk about the first 100 days of our new mayor, okay, Lori, Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. The following comes from the Illinois Political Bulldogs at Illinois Politico and one Shia Kapos. Mm-hmm. Mayor-elect Lori Lightfoot named more top staffers Tuesday and announced mm-hmm. she'd be keeping some familiar faces from former Mayor Rahm Emanuel's administration. Mm-hmm remaining in their current positions Chicago Police Department Superintendent Eddie Johnson Chicago Public Schools CEO Janice Jackson City Colleges of Chicago Chancellor Juan Salgado Chicago Transit Authority President Dorball Carter Chicago Park District Superintendent Michael Kelly and Chicago Housing Authority CEO Eugene Jones Ben Jaroski, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, obviously, uh, she figured there were too much that she had to deal with uh, coming in as a rookie, first time elected official, never held office before. Get rid of all these people. Uh, that's this is kind of unusual, Mayor. We'll talk about this uh, when we go back to our first 100 days of, let's say, Harold Washington. I mean, Harold Washington ran. Uh, uh, on getting rid of the police commissioner, uh, police superintendent, Brzezak. Richard Breezak must go. I can still hear him saying that. So Richard Brzezak much must go. And that probably could, we'll talk about this, get Ray and Monroe's opinion. Maybe Harold went too far uh, and uh, may have caused more political problems for himself than he realized when he made those declarations. But Lori Lightfoot, I mean, she's the boss. They're going to do what she says anyway. You know, Rob's not the boss there. I don't know. Rob's riding his bicycle somewhere, making up stories about elites. And so he's not in charge anymore. They're probably telling her. You know what they're telling her, right, Hanania? They're telling her, Lori, I disagreed with everything Rom oh, yeah. said. Right. He right. was such, oh, my God, Lori, you don't know how bad he was.
7: That was Perry Hutchinson's excuse when they brought him in in a wheelchair, as Mark Brown was writing about this week. You know, uh, what Lori's doing doesn't. That's change, right? Didn't she say she was going to bring change? It doesn't sound like a lot of change. Every new mayor says, we're going to bring change. We're going to change everything. Yeah. And they end up changing nothing. Jane Byrne was the only one who really changed the first six months and then she got upset with her floor leaders.
2: I don't think <laughs> like, she waited six months. Oh yeah, it was.
7: Au- I think it was August of uh, August of uh, seven of uh, seventy nine.
2: Yeah, gotta remember. Au- so they were no, filming. February,
7: yeah, August of seventy nine. I wrote the first story. Uh, Bill Lipinski was the alderman. He came down. He's south of side. He goes, Ray, we've been dumped. I go, What do you mean you've been dumped? Oh. She goes, Yeah, we, we just were told. I went upstairs and. Uh, I was waiting for Jane Byrne and I think he was with Iello Alderman Aiello and Alderman Oberman and Byrne's secretary for the first time said you guys wait outside mm-hmm. and as they after they waited suddenly um John DiArcos first his cigar comes through the doorway <laughs> yeah And it was just kind of hanging. It dances on his lower lip. It never fell off. It was funny. It was like super glued under. He'd be talking and the cigar would be there. The cigar first came out Mm -hmm. and then Everdolia came out. Then Ed Burke came out, the Kabbalah, and Fred Rohde, the evil Kabbalah men. Yeah. And she said, from now on, Edward Dolyak's my floor leader, yeah. you follow him.
2: That, uh, I'm going to tell you, we'll bet you lunch at the restaurant of your choice was earlier She uh, than August. She was elected mayor uh, in April of 1979, when yes. she beat for 10 trivia points. Who'd she, yes. be,
7: who'd she, she beat? She beat... Uh Johnson. No. Yeah, very good. We'll give Matt it to Johnson. him. Wally Johnson. It was my column that broke the story, though, that she flipped. And then the Tribune the sometimes picked up on it. And Jane got upset with me. And uh, Jay McMullen called me and threatened to punch me in the nose. <laughs>
2: Jay McMullen is the, the mayor's was, uh, husband. Right. Mayor Burns Former husband. Daily News reporter. Yes. Uh, and uh, anyway, so uh, do you have any more updates before we went on oh, a, tangent and a tangent? Oh,
1: no, that's all right. No. Uh, actually, I do have one update. It's yeah. uh, national news here. God. I wanted to get Monroe's oh, take. Oh, Monroe. Maybe get a little advice for Monroe Anderson here. Right, Monroe, uh, step up. Let me scroll down here and look. For, okay, here we go. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. is set to follow in his father's footsteps. <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs>
1: By becoming an author, the first Uh-oh. son who earlier today was described as "quote a good young man," not sure who said that, <laughs> but by, by his father, okay, uh, has signed a deal with Center Street Books. At in the tome will be published later this year. Uh, it will be Trump Jr.'s first book, and according to Politico, it will focus on politics, current events, and the future of the MAGA movement. Trump Senior <laughs> has penned 19 books himself. What? He right. never right. penned anything. Well, <laughs> He got his
3: name I, I, on 19 books. I wonder if Jr. will ever read his book. <laughs> yeah, that is true.
1: So, with uh, this information here that we're learning about Donald Trump Jr. publishing a book, Monroe, any ideas? Well, let's help him out here. Any ideas for the title of that book? <laughs> Son of a
3: gun. Son of a gun. (laughs) Bad. Uh, That's pretty good. That's pretty good.
2: Whoa, that's good.
3: I like that. Let me me think of... um, Daddy's
2: boy.
7: (laughs) Right, daddy's boy. Daddy's boy. How about another cup of (laughs) Kool-Aid?
2: Another cup of Kool-Aid. Because that's what it'll take to believe anything that is written in that book. Could
7: you pass me the Kool-Aid, Monroe? Because Uh, I'm feeling thirsty. I have not had any this morning.
2: (laughs) Ray had a big-time Trump supporter. I can see the
7: wheels (laughs) in Monroe's brain
3: spinning. You got a good one? Right. No, well, you see, this is the thing, is that he's not going to write this book. Somebody else is going to write it. No, it reminds me of. Charles Barkley.
2: Yes, Charles where, Barkley. Where he
3: complained because um, he was misquoted, misquoted in his autobiography.
2: <laughs> After that came out, <laughs> right. I was misquoted. Right. It's your autobiography. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Charles Barkley. Uh, but, uh, okay. Anyway, Donald Trump Jr. Oh, Any he's, ideas
1: for a title of the book for Donald Trump Jr.'s book? Ben? Daddy's
2: Boy. I'm sticking with Daddy's Boy. Daddy's Boy. Because he Daddy's would be boy. nowhere without Daddy. All right. And,
3: or, or, or better, yeah, <laughs> Granddaddy's Boy.
7: Yeah, really. I, Freddy, I like Fred be Trump anything,
3: anything if it had
7: Fred Trump. Is, I like past the Kool-Aid. I'm pass saying. the Kool-Aid. All right. There you go, Donald.
2: He's a huge fan of this show, by the way. Loves Donald the Trump, show. Donald, oh, yeah, sure. oh, he's weighing it. He tweets he us. He that blazer. He tweeted. <laughs> he,
3: he, he, he may call in any minute. Now. Yeah,
2: he's calling he in right now. He needs to understand TIFFs. Uh, you know, uh, by the way, let's just say this about the City Club. The TIFFs, uh, Ray. I just have to just clarify <laughs> something. The first question out of the box was about TIFFs, oh, all right? Sure. And now I'm sitting there. The City Club is this august group of movers and shakers of the city of Chicago, and they love the TIF program, okay? Because the TIF program works really well for them. Sure. And they're like, yeah, don't say anything <laughs> bad about those TIFs. I'm like, well, I, no, I don't agree with everybody in the room here on TIFs. You like, didn't get mugged there when you I were didn't. leaving? We oh, wait, something?
7: they did give you a mug. They, they gave me a that mug. That was close.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ray's got a million of them. Uh, they not only gave me a mug, as I said, they gave me this. Uh, I am now a member of the city club. Hey,
7: have you okay. put it under one of those uh, black lights to see what else is written on there? Because there might be some things written on there you may not want to see. It may show up in the middle of the night.
2: And a name card or a placard or whatever this thing is. A piece
7: of paper with your name on (laughs) it. That was like a a target. So they wanted to make sure people knew which one to nail. You know Ray did stand up, right? I did not know that. Yeah, I did stand up. Yeah. After (laughs) September 11th, some lady came up to me and she said, uh, I can't believe, because I'm a Christian Arab Palestinian, Uh she came up to me and said, I can't believe... You became you gave up your Christian religion to become an Arab. <laughs> she said that. <laughs> and I looked at her and I go, Lady, I just had three cavity searches, okay? I'm not in a good mood. Please don't talk to me. I gotta go call my cell long distance, it's gonna cost me a fortune. And she started Gre- laughing. In your
2: opinion, three greatest comics of all time, call.
7: Jackie Mason, Ray Hanania, <laughs> oh wow, and Aaron Freeman.
2: <laughs> Aaron Freeman's great, and Jackie Mason, amazingly. He
7: hated me. He's the guy that kicked me off of a comedy stage at Zanies. That's you know, I always end up advancing Monroe when somebody either threatens to punch me in the nose or kicks me off. Wait, a comedy time stage. out. But why
3: would you put
2: Jackie Mason on that list? He didn't know. I'm joking. Oh. I
7: actually, I love Jackie Mason. Hilarious. He was hilarious. He yeah. was, but when he 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 thought I he was told I was Arab. And I was going to open for a show that he was doing. And then somebody said, no, 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 he's not just an Arab. He's Palestinian.
2: And they kicked you <laughs> off the show. And they kicked me
7: off the show. Yeah. And for, it just went
2: international. For the record, Ray Hanania, uh, as he said, uh, Christian, Palestinian. Uh, well, he's American, but um, his parents come from Palestine. He is married to a Jewish woman, and his son was bar mitzvah. How yeah. about that?
7: Yeah. The kid's had, sitting right and he's there. He's right here, and he wrote a book, too. He wrote a book, my already? My dad is an Arab. Leave him alone. Hey, maybe that should be the the, the title of Trump Donald Donald Trump Jr.'s book. My dad is an my Arab. Dad's leave
2: him an Arab. alone. Uh,
3: uh, how about my dad is a Russian? Leave him alone. <laughs> there,
2: <laughs> there we go. Winner. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. So let's go back to
7: Chicago politics. Kool Aid and collusion. That's all. That would be a Man, better we're title.
2: Better. Kool Aid and collusion. <laughs> Um, all right, so Jane Byrne is the mayor of the city of Chicago. Yes. We're we going to have to agree to disagree on when she decided uh, to flip and join the cabal. I say it was within the first month of her uh, taking office. You're saying it wasn't until No, I'll August. tell
7: you exactly, and I'll be real quick. It was when they were doing the investigation of that Croatian terrorist that yeah, hijacked that. the plane. Yeah. That was in the summer. And uh, Victor Verdoliak, Ed uh, Verdoliak's brother, was the police chief, and Byrne was upset that he got all that TV attention right. and wanted him fired, and her floor leaders couldn't punish the guy because Edward Deliac was so right. good at parmement. We're just going action.
2: to have to hold off on this one. Uh, the only thing I remember from the August of 1979 heavy marijuana use for me in those years right uh, Fest. Time, <laughs> at chicago fest they closed down a lakeshore drive to film the blues brothers when yeah. you said august 79 oh, yeah. i just flash back yeah. that's to, where uh, she
7: did the uh guns with the hand picture with the blues brothers with the glasses and that photo got out about her looking like yes. a mobster with a it was like a great thing for her but it she, was she it objected turned, to it well she was no longer loved she flipped. <laughs> she, she flipped to the dark side, and yeah, I'm telling she you, did. she went completely to yeah. the to the. She you know, went the over to side. the Verdoliac. And
2: it's Charlie Swibel. Charlie Swibel was in charge of the C.H.A. But by the way, just yeah. think about this for a moment. Ed Burke. Yeah. That's 1979. He was yeah. already represented the dark side. He is still an alderman from the 14th ward. He uh, he he's. Only lost the most powerful position in the city council's chair to finance committee because the feds finally got around to charging him. It's a disgrace to the city of Chicago, Ray. Hay, and Nia, it that he's forty sur-
7: years. It took forty years. I mean, and I'll be honest. Out of all of the politicians, Ed Burke was probably the least bad of all of them. Honestly, what do you, mean I, you the know, because bad? I put him in context of Edward Doliak, the Diarcos, um, you know, uh, some of these. Uh, uh, alderman from the south side. The arca was a committee from the machine. first ward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some of these machine aldermen were, were they were they were pretty bad. When you say they bad, were, what do you mean? Well, they were just you know just I don't know how to ex- describe it. They would uh, the the rules committee was set up so that a uh, developer would come in and give you the alderman in the let's say the eighth ward a thousand dollar donation. You would then you would then introduce the developers' uh, development uh, uh, zoning change, mm-hmm. if it passed because you would allow it. He would then come and give you a thousand dollars after. That was the bonus. <laughs> and you can and one of my first stories at yeah. the Sun Times in '85 was because Danny Davis took over the zoning you right. know committee. He said, "Ray, you can come and look at all the records, and you could literally track the money from the when it was donated." The zoning ordinance, and then the payoff—you know, the follow-up payment that came after.
2: All right, so I'm going to ask a question that's going as a follow-up to that question. I'll ask both of you this: Um, Am I being naive when I say Chicago is cleaner now than it was back then?
7: Go ahead, Monroe.
3: I, th- I think it will be because uh, we're getting rid of aldermanic
7: privilege.
2: Oh, I see. I, okay, don't get me started on that phony <laughs> yeah, issue. They're all not right.
7: going to do anything with aldermanic privilege. These are aldermen. These are all politicians. I don't care, Jane Byrne. The one thing that I realized after covering City Hall is, and, and listen, I, I think Jane Byrne was uh, unfairly treated. That, Why do you, you say know, that? I, by the media. We when she flipped, we just were we savaged her. I think we were unfair. Um, rich daly was behind the scenes to trying to do a number on her um, that was part of the reason verdoliak she put verdoliak in power because Verdolia came to her and said listen um, i only want power rich daly her ally wants your job and i think she ended up believing it but um it was true it was true because it was reasonable. True. they had a plan they yeah. were going to take over but every politician starts out wanting to do the right thing, I think, um, and they realize the system doesn't allow you to do that. You have to get elected, not by your enemies, you gotta get elected by your friends, and friends want stuff, and friends ask for things, and it doesn't seem like a, a tough thing to hire somebody who's a relative, until after it's on the front page of the (laughs) Sun-Times, you know, nepotism, you know, Mm -hmm. from uh, industry, right, Monroe that hires all its relatives anyway, Right,
3: no, they have, when I was press secretary, Mm -hmm. Alderman Mel came into my office one day with a list of people that he wanted to have jobs, they wanted to to have jobs, and he says to me, he says, you tell Gene,
2: meaning mayor sawyer yeah,
3: right
7: yeah. who was a nice guy
3: yeah that, that either he hires these people on, on our list or we're going to run one of our guys against him mm-hmm. and that was it that was it
7: did i he thought he jobs? wrote i was going to hit you with an ashtray <laughs> did, he, did he did he get the jobs
3: no no sorry couldn't do the job monroe no, doesn't want the to admit it job. he's no, taking no, the fifth No, he <laughs> did, no, because no 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 seriously he couldn't do that because he was already um paint it as being part of the former
7: 29s guy.
2: Alright, we're going to get into all that, but let's just start with 1983's election. We barely got out of 79. We're running out of Harold time. Washington
7: here. was brilliant. Funniest guy that ever walked into City uh, Hall. Uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. had a great sense of humor. Yeah, he did. He did. He yeah. went, He once looked at an Alderman Orbach, I think, and he said, I don't trust that guy. He has a smile like a bent tin can. Yeah, Mike, <laughs> right. that's good. That was a Mike Royko yeah. line. Yeah. I mean, if But that Mike Royko yeah, never written. Our, but he was uh, that our, smart. Our,
3: um, Harold was being interviewed by City Hall reporters, mostly white, and somebody asked him about um, I'm dark <laughs> something being kinky. Yeah. And uh, he looks at him and he says, uh, what do you mean by kinky? Why couldn't it be straight? with the hair. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, right. And they're like,
7: huh? huh? Exactly. huh? Right. Exactly. <gasps> what? Right. I have to go to the south side to cover who? Uh,
2: <laughs> you, know, I, you know, Harold Washington is so he was, good. was. Yeah, he was the uh, well, best mayor of my he life. Ju- he just did, I'll tell you,
7: he was a great mayor. Yeah. He just didn't have the votes to do what he wanted to. But, you know, the truth was, he was a good guy, but he was a politician too. When the lights were not on, when the cameras weren't on, there were these off the record moments where he and Verdoliak would be talking and laughing. Ed Burke would be talking with them. They'd I don't be joking believe that. around. I'm telling you. Not they the would. Ed Burke
2: part. I believe the Verdoliak yeah, right, part, exactly. but not the Ed Burke no, part. He
3: didn't, he Ed did, Burke. He, he, he said that. Um, he, yes, yeah, come on. That, that Verdoliak. Was just a businessman of, into power, yeah. and he says so. He was doing what he was doing because of that. He said he thought Burke was truly a racist. Yeah, no, he told
2: me that too. Yeah, he told me that. I got that on tape. Right, and uh, it, it. Listen, Harold Washington was one of a kind. And so many levels, uh, his mastery of the language was something that, uh, you know, I was not the smartest kid in the world, Ray and Monroe, and I remember I was interviewing him once, this is like in 82, and he said, uh, I'm not for quid pro quo, I had no, it was like me trying to pronounce Circus diolet. i I'm like. Oh, that was a blast. <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm like. Sir, do, 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 do,
2: do. <laughs> oh, excuse me, <laughs> mister, I went to France once. Uh, so it's, I'm like, I wrote it down as phonetically as I could, Ray and Monroe, because I was embarrassed to admit I didn't know what he was talking about, and as soon as the interview was over, I was like, hey, does anybody know what this is? And, oh, God, Ben, you don't know anything, but no, I love right, the man he, he, he did
3: that intentionally. He loved sending reporters to the dictionary.
2: Antediluvian. I don't know what that was. Yeah, right, you know right, what
7: right, antediluvian right. is, Ray? Before the flood. Look at but Ray. That's okay. I, I had, had to look, look it Bowen. up when he yeah. first said <laughs> yeah. it. I he he had didn't know to look it up. He, first <laughs> yeah. he didn't He's a graduate of Revis High School. You should know that. You can't say, though, that once he got into office, he... You know, I mean, listen, there's politics. You could find problems with any kind of politics. There's nothing, um, you know, that can't be criticized in politics.
2: All right, Ray, but I do not want uh, my show to contribute to the notion, so I'm going to vehemently disagree with you. That's right. That the opposition. Uh, led by Ed, Fast Eddie Vardolak of the 10th Ward and Ed Burke of the 14th Ward, was anything other than racial in origin. It was the most bigoted display of just overt white racism that I had ever encountered. Would as just you the,
7: accept that they were using racism as a weapon and a tool to win? Because wh- that—that's what, what some people are. What difference does argue. that make? No, no, I'm not saying there's a difference. I'm saying, but in their mind, it wasn't that they hated black people. It was. I don't know Racism what's in their mind. was gonna separate uh, their opponents from the power that they wanted. you know, so what? they
2: used it. Uh, let me just tell you this. I do not know what was in the minds of Eddie Brodoak and Ed Burke. I know that in the aftermath, of their uh, of the debacle of what they did, they try to justify it
7: before it was too late.
2: Yeah, before too well that was uh, Bernie Epton. They try to justify it by saying, "Oh, well, we didn't really believe it.
7: It was all polite I think they handed that to Bernie Epton. I think they gave Bernie Epton that before
2: too late. Right. I just want to get that point out there. So do yeah. all of no, us no, agree no, that it. was
7: I, absolutely Monroe. Do you no, agree with that?
3: It was very racist.
2: But yeah.
7: you know, uh, and again, I'm not trying to defend it, but I'm but, trying to say that in the context of Chicago, Chicago was a racist. Racial city. I mean, I, even when I grew up, like in the sixties, I am telling you, race drove neighborhoods, race drove politics. So, m- making the jump yeah. to racism, um, yeah. I think you got at least take it in that context. All right, now, Bob,
3: Bob Davis. He was talking about yeah, Bob the, Davis, the reporter. Yeah, the reporter for the Tribune. He once told me that um, they needed. This was before Harold, but he said they they needed guys in in the press room that they could talk to. That they could speak their lingo with. This was
2: wait who it's what, 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 who needed guys in the press uh, room. The alderman.
3: The they, mayor, needed they, needed, they needed white <laughs> oh, guys. They needed white. Oh, a translation, right? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. they could get their there. stories he, across. Another thing Look. Bob Davis did one time was he made this quip about uh, one of the aldermen was uh, one of the dumbest white men that he would ever seen. And then he realized that he was saying He said it to me. you? Yeah, and he must have read the look on my face because he apologized right there on the spot. Unbelievable. Right. See, that's
2: what we're dealing with, right. Ray Nia. I mean, this stuff was... This is Chicago that I exactly. discovered when I moved here. God dang, what a city this right. is. And Listen. people would justify it. Well, Ben, you don't understand. We've always hated black people. I'm going oh, to tell you a secret. In
7: 1973, they lowered the drinking age. And uh, I think it was in 1983... 19, 1980, Yeah. Uh, Bob Davis, called. it was a slow day, and Bob Davis went up to uh, Bernie Stone and Fred Rohde and uh, John Madrick, and he said, you know, if you guys want to introduce an ordinance raising the drinking age, there's nothing going on. This will be a front-page story. And literally, it became a front-page story, and they passed it in Chicago, and they passed it in...
2: The That's Democracy Chicago time uh, <laughs> style. Ray Hadania, Monroe Anderson, Ben Jarofsky. Take a break. We'll be right back.
1: All right, everybody. It's time to talk about Ben's favorite store. After five years in Andersonville, Murray and White have made the difficult decision to close their doors. But everything in the store is now on sale. You can get it if you beat Ben Jarofsky. He's been busy this week, all right? He hasn't uh, had time to go. Maybe yeah. you can get this stuff before he does. Notable sale items, Veluspa and Nest Fragrances brand candles are 20% off. Just ask the Candleman Jarowski over here. He'll tell you all about them. <laughs> these lines can rarely be found on sale, so while 20% isn't the largest discount, lovers of both these popular candle lines have been buying them up. Ain't that right, Ben? Oh, i got a bunch of them. Oh, Candleman over here. All right, all rugs are 30% off in-store. New orders through June 1st. All floor sample furniture is 30 to 50% off, antique furniture pieces 40 to 50% off, pillows are 40% off, picture frames 40% off, jewelry 40 to 50% off, mirrors and wall arts 30 to 50% off, home decor and accessories are all 20 to 60% off, lamps 50% off, people I can keep going. Everything is a discount, all right? Store fixtures and lighting is also on sale. Once again, after five years in Andersonville, Murray and White have made the difficult decision to close their doors. But right now, head over there, Murray and White in Andersonville, to get some fantastic deals. Ben, save some candles <laughs> okay. for, for the others, uh, please. I'll try. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take us home, Candleman.
2: All right. Uh, that super cool music means we're coming to the end of, of another super cool show. Ray Hanania and Monroe Anderson still in the studio. Uh, that's Monroe on the organ and Ray p- playing the keyboard. Yeah, Ray Hanania, excellent on the keyboard. You know that, uh, Dave? i lead guitar. Oh, he's the lead, lead guitar.
7: Led Zeppelin.
2: Oh, le- whoa. Led Zeppelin, man. Uh, 1973, a Stairway to Heaven. All right. Um... Uh, before we head out the door, I have to ask you this question. We only made it. We're going to do first hundred. We just made it to, th- through Washington. <laughs> we barely made first it to term. Washington. We didn't even get yeah. to ask you about council worship. But that's all right. This we'll, we is pre- all a
7: plot to stay away from <laughs> Donald Trump, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> not Over not had exactly. any. Uh,
2: that's <laughs> one of his low moments in his life as a uh, I'm going to say real quick, is that okay. fair? I,
7: I, I supported Trump because I wanted him to throw the game board up in the air. I wanted him to destroy everything. And, and I think that's he's basically what he's doing. done, yeah. So are okay. you happy now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am, oh, All right, Ray Hannity. Uh, the uh, Arab in me is smiling. Uh, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, one of his low moments uh, as, as citizen it, it to be a citizen with voting guy. rights. Thanks, Ray.
7: Uh, <laughs> when when Monroe thought I was Puerto Rican, I was a great guy. Now he knows the Wait,
2: truth. Donald Trump just weighed in, right? Appreciate your support, Ray. Yeah,
7: yeah. My son does a great job. Right, Trump. Does, yeah.
2: All right. We'll have to bring him on next time. All right, now, I have to ask you this. Uh, both of you have been on, uh, you've each been on both sides of the fence, uh, Monroe was a columnist, a writer for the Sun-Times and the Tribune. Uh, and Newsweek, and then he went to work as a publicist, the chief spokesperson for Mayor Eugene Sawyer, Ray Hanania, uh, wrote for my beloved Bright One, the Chicago Sun-Times, for many years, Southtown Economist, and then he went to work, I'm laughing, it's not fair, uh, the city of Cicero as I repre- Listen, <laughs> I represented
7: 22 aldermen, Yeah, I represented three congressmen, I represented five state reps, I represented four Cook County commissioners, I did go into the suburbs how are you going to make money? You want me to starve to death? <laughs> he, he, no he, angel he, ever he, called he, me up and said, Ray, he, I need PR.
3: He, he was Betty's PR
7: person. He yeah, was. before she was actually exposed by me as a crook. Uh,
2: Betty, uh, and t- and please tell people who Betty is. No millennial oh knows God. who Betty is. Just the well, last he, name.
7: Betty Lauren Maltese.
2: Who is the mayor of Cicero. She
7: was convicted of corruption in yes. a very sophisticated mob run plot. It was just fascinating. All right, that's a subject for another time. She yeah. sounds nice. She. <laughs>
2: She could use some of those candles that we were selling, uh, the scented ones. And
3: and that used to be Al Capone's um, town. That is, by the way, Ray loves it.
2: Don't get him started on this. Oh, it's so lazy of
7: reporters. (laughs) Listen, I'm a good writer. When so I do work for politicians. I I only take jobs with politicians that I feel comfortable with, and you know I will never lie for a politician. But. politicians do need to know how to speak better and that's what i do i help them take what they want to do and i translate it into, into your english. language ben. english <laughs> into your, into <laughs> your language would you <laughs> take sarah
3: huckabee sanders job yeah? Yeah, I do far better job. No, I didn't say, I didn't say would you?
2: No, I, I would say, not. No, you? I would not I take that job. All right. But so,
7: I'm telling you, he's going to get reelected. I'm sorry, guys. All right, wait. Well, that's a subject for, oh, my. we, we gotta gotta to yeah, right. Trump. got to yeah, got bring him back for the full Trump. we got to bring him back. I He says he drooling. won't even make it out of this <laughs> first
2: term, okay?
7: He's getting reelected. I disagree. He's wrong. He
2: was right. First of all, he didn't win the first time. Wasn't it when
7: Anderson's PR company that did all the polling that said that Hillary to win 99% yeah. of the polls. He was winning poll- until
2: your buddy Comey stepped All right, wait, hold on. Uh, time out. All right, Let's just make clear your prediction. You say he's going to win. Will yes. it be an actual win where he gets more votes? Well, or I'm going to say that the win,
7: win by the system that everybody loved until it didn't work oh, wait, for them. time out. I never loved the, it. Take me out of that list of everybody. Well, I listen, I I, what, what I don't know if he'll get talking the most about? votes. What, but talking, what system are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, like about the, the, electoral, the electoral <laughs> college system
2: in the world where the, the el- loser electra- wins the electoral college <laughs> system
7: listen change it i I, it, you probably only have a chance if you do use the majority vote system in the country. If that's how they elected, he won't win. Let but me just say
2: this. If if they did basketball the way we do politics, the Portland Trailblazers would have swept the Golden State Warriors because they scored less points. Yeah. Okay, there I just, in,
7: I just interviewed that Ennis Cantor for a newspaper in the Middle East that I write for. Oh, man, that's a whole great other guy. story.
2: It is a great guy. All right. Now, so um, this question I have to ask you, uh, when you become a Spokesperson for a politician, do you suddenly have, uh, how do I put I don't know hatred's the right word, but utter disdain and contempt for the very reporters that you used to hang out with uh, before you took the job, right?
7: No, I. you know, I argue with them, I disagree with them, but no, I don't. I, Mark Brown and I are still good friends. Mark and, Brown's Chicago Sun-Times yeah. columnist. And uh, maybe there are a couple reporters I don't like, like Monroe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's trumping. I'm his hero. <laughs> Here's some Kool-Aid, Monroe.
7: Have another, drink. Have another uh, drink. So what's your
2: attitude about this, Monroe?
3: Oh, no, I, you know, I, I liked reporters when I was press secretary, but what I learned... Uh Was to be very careful about what I said to them. For example, um, a Tribune, I I was talking with a Tribune reporter about um, something Sawyer had said. Uh And I say to her, because she had been a friend of mine, you know, so I say to her very casually, as I would a friend just talking, say, well, you know, he talks funny, but he meant to say this. What showed up in the Tribune? He, His press secretary says. He, says he talks. Wow! Funny.
2: So what <laughs> right. did Sawyer say to you? Ah.
3: Uh-huh. What he is, didn't say anything. He funnily he, he talked angrily. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, I mean, I was so embarrassed by it because I've been spokesman. Yeah. And till, from that point on, I was very, before I said anything to a reporter, Well, I I thought about how it would sound or look in in in, in print or in, on, on the air.
2: Well, one of the most famous quotes of the daily years, and I can't remember which press secretary it was, this is. Original Mayor Daley was, uh, don't write what he says, write what he means. And I think was was it Bush or I don't know who the press secretary was that said it. Uh, Maybe Sullivan, I don't know. But uh, that became you know like a rule, a great line in Chicago politics. Exactly. All right, it's a
3: good rule. Right. No. <laughs> right, In general. <laughs> then you gotta try to figure out yeah. well, what does like, he mean? That's, that's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders tells us all the time. Yeah, you
2: know, and it seems like whatever he means changes right. moment to moment. Anyway, we're gonna bring uh, Ray Hanania and Monroe Anderson back Sometimes a lot of fun. We didn't even get to... We were but 1983.
7: All this talk. Oh, we're gonna do the 100 like days. five shows to get through the next 12, 15 <laughs> yeah, years. No,
2: exactly. we're gonna have to have the Trump debate. Ray Hanania, a huge Trump fan. No.
7: You still got that tattoo of Donald Trump on your arm no, there? I, listen, right. uh, it was... Politics is relative. I supported Trump because I just couldn't support Hillary. I didn't like her. All right, well we'll get to that. Uh, we'll take. I that like Bernie. He, he got tanked.
2: I like Bernie too. All right, Ray Hanania, thanks for coming in. Monroe Hello. Anderson, it's always a blast to have you. Also, want to thank Kevin Beverly. Remember him, the circus guy? D. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he was from Cirque du Soleil. Nice. Okay, my favorite
1: I, part of that, by the way, is when they left. Like, you kept calling them circus people. I don't know if that's. <laughs> it just didn't sound too
0: friendly. I didn't oh, seem you to guys mind. Circus people. The
2: circus people. They jumped and through hoops <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Uh, anyway, and uh, great job by Leah. I want to thank her very much, and of course. The man, the myth, the legend behind the board. Oh yeah. The pride and joy of Alton, Illinois.
7: Ray, did you know they call him White Lightning back in Alton, Illinois? yeah it's he, true. he would have made a good alderman from the <laughs> Southwest Side back in the yeah, 80s. Back in the 80s, yeah. He would the have got you elected. White Lightning. White oh, yeah. Lightning, they call Before him. it's too late. <laughs>
2: uh Dr. D, great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
1: Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com slash and chicagoreader.com. Just look for the Ben Jarofsky show at the top of the Chicago Reader page. Bonus interviews are there as well. We do those every weekend. If you get to check those out, go check them out on the same site, chicagoreader.com, Chicago.suntimes.com slash We'll be back
0: tomorrow.